If we could talk about time. Adam. Watch a film today. James. We'd explain all the plots that confused you. Scott. And we'd say... Welcome to Time Travel Film Club. Hello from the past, present and future. My name is Adam Hedges and welcome to this very special bonus episode of the Time Travel Film Club. A weird, wild and this time surprisingly incestuous trip through a time travel movie that, let's be honest, if you haven't seen, you have absolutely no taste and are dead to me. <laughs> Not that surprisingly incestuous. We've watched a lot of time travel films. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have. Uh, joining me, as always, on this 88 miles per hour dash through classic cinema are my favourite time travel fuckboys. To my left, a man who I imagine has electrocuted himself a bunch of times for science. It's James Donnelly. Do you know what? I've electrocuted myself so many times that I no longer remember most of them. <laughs> Did you ever time travel when it happened? I felt like I time travelled, <laughs> yeah, but sure. it was just an hour or so into the future when I woke up. <laughs> And to my right, today's film fact finder extraordinaire and a man frequently trying to sleep with someone's mother, it's Scott Hamza. <laughs> why is it my See, mother, not nice, is it, when your friends bully you? That's <laughs> what it's like for me every session. And why is why? it my mother you're trying to sleep I with? I know. Why, I could, why did Nancy be like, no, I'm not. I'm not sure. No. I don't even know. Maybe I have. <laughs> In case you haven't guessed from all the hints I've been dropping, today's feast for your ears is the Back to the Future franchise. Oh, is that... All three of the films? Yeah. One and two. <laughs> right. And one and, and, and two. And and he's And the it, best one of them all three. And three. Yeah, the best the best one. One and two. <laughs> They're one film in my mind. Uh, okay, yep. <laughs> did I want did we just watch like some weird rip off porn that's number three? Crack to the future. Crack to- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you did you watch all three, Scott? Yeah, I started with three. <laughs> Did you you watch started all- with three. It's, it's in chronological. The past. <laughs> it's not chronological. Anyway. Uh, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Before we make a start, I feel like I should firstly apologise for what is about to happen. I have been handed the reins of this episode, and I intend to use this platform to be as much of an insufferable Back to the Future know-it-all as I possibly can be. He says handed the reins because of number three, which has a lot of horses. Yeah, oh, handed yeah. the reins, yeah. like yeah, in the yeah. second film. Like, yeah. uh, westerns are my favourite genre of film, so I understand cool. why you'd go I'm for the so third I'm so glad film. we're talking Back to the Future 3 today. <laughs> <laughs> This entry into the Time Travel Film Club is unlike any you have heard before, and there is simply one reason for that. It is undeniably, irrefutably, and unquestionably the greatest film ever made. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be taking no further questions. I mean, this is from a man who has seen Primer and Predestination and goes, yeah, time travel, I mean, yeah. I think Back to the Future is better than yeah, those. still yeah. is. Uh, Back to the Future is a 1985 American science fiction film directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Zemeckis and Bob Gale. It stars Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover and Thomas F. Wilson in the lead roles. Two people with middle Michael J. Fox and Thomas F. Wilson. The F definitely stands for fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Where did you two end up watching this in the end? I bought all three of them as a package on Amazon because you can buy them as a um, as like a bulk thing. Oh, as nice! You, oh, that's cool. As you definitely should, by the way. I the I got super lucky in that I thought I was going to have to do pretty much the same thing that James did, but I was on a flight uh, semi recently, like a week ago, and British Airways just had all three of the Back to the Future oh, that's films. The greatest I know. Flight yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was a rub. They had a rubbish film selection in oh, every really? other regard, but they had like you know the bit where you go to like. The franchise, here's the box sets, that's what they called them, the box sets. And it was just all the Star Wars films, all the Fast and Furious films, and then uh, all of the Back to the Future films. Not to divert too much from the podcast, but Scott, 
Um, did you go anywhere 80s themed in your flight? <laughs> I time travelled to Worcester, Paris of the 80s. Paris of the 80s. Yeah. Um, I watched it on my super special edition Blu-ray, which I have in my bedside cabinet, just in case. <laughs> I kiss every night before bed. I, kiss, yeah. I say goodnight to Marty every single night. Um, now, wonderful listeners, before we fire up the flux capacitor and throw you back to our past selves in 1955, if you would like to get in touch to chat with us about why Back to the Future is the best film ever made, gentlemen, how can they do that? If Mark Zuckerberg's Android facade doesn't worry you too much, you can get at us on Facebook, Time Travel Film Club. Or if Elon Musk hasn't uh, and his perverted ways haven't ruined <laughs> Twitter for you too much, you can get at us there at Time Travel Club. And if you want to tell us more about your favourite westerns, you can reach us at timetravelfilmclub at gmail.com or on Reddit at r slash timetravelfilmclub. I'm amazed you think parts one and two of this are a western. Uh, <laughs> so without further procrastination, James, close the DeLorean doors and Scott, switch the time circuits on. It's back to the future times, baby! This is too many clocks in a room, right? This is a this sort of smacks of somebody who is so bad at keeping time that they yeah. just put as many loud clocks on the wall as they can. Both Back to the Future 1 and seminal classic Back to the Future 3 <laughs> begin with something that like I only realized while I was watching it is similar in Honey I Shrunk the Kids where the movies of the 80s I think Honey I Shrunk the Kids is 80s, right? I think it is. If late 80s, early, Maybe 90s, early 90s. Either yeah, way, anyway, it's fine. It's like a period, yeah. They it's a one-for-one one. scientist equals Rube Goldberg machine, basically, where yeah. they just like, this is all scientists are good for. It's just yeah. that they, they're lazy and want to watch all of the science happening in front of them. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as well. Rube Goldberg machine. He's an engineer who's invented a <laughs> yeah. flying car. Fuck Rube Goldberg. Yeah. But just a, 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 a nice little sort of wrinkle, something you don't really get in like movies these days of like, yeah. oh, he's this man of science. Rube. <laughs> Funny that you went for that because I went for Wallace and Gromit. It's no, like oh, the yeah. exact same <laughs> yeah. breakfast setup yeah, yeah, yeah. that you get in Wallace and Gromit, yeah. except Wallace and Gromit is slightly more effective because he does the toast after the bacon, unlike in this film and in three, where for some reason the bacon is going into the pan after the toast has popped out of the toaster. What is that about? And repopped back into the toaster. That happens a few times. There's a, just a burning piece of toast on screen for, I mean, for a good period. So. I like a bit of retoasted toast, but uh, uh, I, yeah. Make your little... He's invented time travel in much the same way that, like, Wallace goes to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does beg the question of what sort of a scientist or doc is doc? Um, and I'm I'm heading oh, for... Oh, that is a good question. Well, it's, it's, he's got to be a handsome engineer if it's a time travel film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, straight away, I don't know if I class him as a handsome engineer. I mean, he's a good-looking chap, but... Um, yeah, he's not unhandsome he's uh it's like the people who think benedict cumberbatch is is like sexy um it's like yeah sure you're into, you're into weird stuff cumberbitch that's their term, that's their oh, term. No. i'll you tell you you what. can't use that word <laughs> no, i'm sorry i'll tell you what type of scientist doc is the kind that keeps his workshop in a real mess and steals plutonium yeah fair so probably not an engineer mm -hmm. james how long after this film ends would doc and marty die of plutonium poisoning well, I am very pleased to tell you that plutonium, as just a lump of rock, is essentially not that dangerous. Oh. Um, you could, I, I mean, you would be foolish to. I believe you could juggle with plutonium and have very few side effects. You would basically have to grind it up and snort it if you wanted to die from it. Cool. Or pack loads of it into a tight space and blow up from it. Cool. That's so, pretty much how it would get you. Right. It's, it's no worse than, I think, it's no worse than lead in terms of toxicity. All oh, right, fair enough. 
In fact, nobody has ever died directly from plutonium exposure. Oh, right. Really? Nobody has ever died directly from plutonium exposure. I feel like The Simpsons has overhyped plutonium for me then. Yeah, plutonium seems like something that is the go-to for radioactive like materials in at least, in like TV. in the eighties and nineties, yeah. yeah. I wonder what yeah. they. I wonder what like now, because there was uranium. I've yeah, seen I that in a couple still of still uranium uh, now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be. I mean, if you're talking about genuinely dangerous, you'd be looking at more like polonium or technetium. I think technetium is used in X-rays, but mm. you like have it and then you you piss it out basically. But a prolonged exposure to that is almost certainly as dangerous as plutonium is. Cool. You know what's just as dangerous. Plugging into a massive electric guitar amplifier, which explodes in your face and sends you across a workshop. Room. We've talked about how dangerous amplifiers are before. We have, yeah. I, yeah. I watched this scene and I was like, this is just a scene out of Adam's yeah. life. How is Marty not completely deaf for the rest of the film as well? Once sound <laughs> reaches just... a certain volume, it's no longer noise. It's just a pressure wave. It's yeah. just a bomb. Yeah. So as I've said, this is Marty McFly, a uh, teenager in the 1980s. 35-year-old 35-year-old <laughs> teenager. <laughs> he's not. He's they're 24. Film oh, fact. Right, 24. Film fact. Uh, uh, he oh, is, are you doing the film fact? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to yeah, try. I'm going to try. They yeah. won't be as good as Adams at all because sure. I like chaos. But he is 24. And the only reason I wanted to know this is because he doesn't, he doesn't look like a 24-year-old to me. He looks 30? Yeah, maybe. 31? I don't know. Maybe it's just a me thing, but... I, he's supposed to be playing like an eighteen-year-old. Oh yeah, um, maybe even younger than an eighteen-year-old. Seven. I, I don't know. Maybe. Wait, yeah, I, f- I feel like he's certainly on the cusp of. He's just learning to drive, kind of age. So what, sixteen, seventeen-ish? Yeah. He's, he's old enough that he's planning a. To skip ahead a little bit, he's planning <laughs> a weekend sex fest in the forest with, <laughs> yeah, with his girlfriend. Is. Yeah, um, we've which, all done it. Which will be facilitated by his... Not us, we have his, yeah, <laughs> we, we, As a threesome, we've done it, yeah. <laughs> but, it, I mean, that is at least like a, 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 a more adult... Uh, if he was 24 and doing that, I would have bought it. But, yeah, I in my head, I found it very hard this time. And I will say, as a child, it never dawned on me. As a teenager, it never dawned on me. But as, like, this... Uh, stupidly critical uh, 33-year-old man uh, who is now like trying to look at these films like at least semi-critically. I could never in a million years have seen Michael J. Fox in this film as a as an 18-year-old boy at all. And we've seen other films where there are like people playing far younger than they are and it, it works sometimes and it doesn't work sometimes for me. Absolutely no way. He looks older than me right now. And that, I know that there's a weird thing about how you perceive yourself, so I completely understand. Uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. He just, yeah. Michael, he has crow's feet, I think. <laughs> It, I think it gets, it's considering how close all these films happen together, when you look at him in the third film, there is very much a thing of, this is a teenager, supposedly. It's it, Yeah, and it's much worse when you get around to the second and the third film, because... There, there's a jump as well, there's a jump in terms there's of... There's a like, jump of like four, know, years, yeah, four, years, years, four years, five years? Four years for filming, five, yeah, years, yeah. five years for release. Yeah. Um, I'll just add in, because we're talking about the ages, Christopher Lloyd is 46 when they uh, filmed this movie as 46? well. 46? 46, oh, I know. How does that man look the same age now yeah. as he did then? He's, what, in his 80s now? I, he I looks think the exact he looks same age. younger than the aged up makeup he has at the beginning of <laughs> yeah. this film it's mad he's about 46 playing 71 in 1985 yeah um which means that like when he's playing himself in 1955 it's pretty much like like for like all good but you couldn't i can't distinguish i couldn't because christopher lloyd is a man for all seasons apparently mm, absolutely so even though marty's hearing is presumably shot to shit 
The phone rings and Doc's on the other end and he invites him to Twin Pines Mall at 1.15am in the morning for an experiment. Grabs his skateboard and he runs out and the greatest musical cue in history ever happens. And it... yeah, no, no, I'm right. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, sure. yeah no, that's right. <laughs> and Huey Lewis and the news starts playing The Power of Love. The but... music is incredible. Yeah. The music is incredible. That uh, Power of Love nominated for an Oscar for really? this for this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's well, crazy. It, it makes sense because of course it references the third film in the song. It talks about the train. No, I don't think it, it does. does. Yeah. It does talk about the train. It literally <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect no, song, perfect for this it's film. Always it's in our about. hearts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, I felt like I was slapped with the eighties. As soon as this starts here, it's Absolutely. like someone just came up to you with a eighties wedged into their hand and slapped you across the face with it. Yeah, yeah. Marty leaves the garage and hitches a ride on his skateboard. Say that word again. Garage? The garage? <laughs> wow. The garage. Wow. Marty leaves his garage and, and, and uh, hitches a ride to school on the back of a Jeep, which is crazy dangerous. I, I tried that once when I was a kid. Did you? I, sort of, I, I, I used to live in a cul-de-sac. And so at one point, like, the guy was... And it, it doesn't work in a cul-de-sac, I tell you now, because it's just a constant bend. You're always falling off the thing. And then also he broke three quarters of the way around and was like, get off my fucking bumper. <laughs> doing so i just yeah, yeah. i've done it on the back of a quad bike in a rubber ring but that's a very different story marty arrives at school and he's intercepted by a pretty girl this is jennifer his girlfriend uh, uh played by elizabeth shoe we love elizabeth shoe oh, i love elizabeth she's shoe. so great she's, in the third sorry, one brilliant she's so incorrect what it's played by claudia wells no it's, no, a, no, it's no, elizabeth no. shoe she just nah, looks sorry, different. sorry 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 elizabeth shoe from the boys you know elizabeth shoe no yeah no it's claudia wells no, no, no. It's and Claudia Wells. Listen, her surname is like Moving boot on. or stiletto. It's Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> um, the principal catches them walking around the school and gives them both detention. And the principal says to Marty that no McFly has ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. And Marty's response is, history's going to change. And it literally is about to. If, some, if a teacher at any school I was ever at cussed my dad in that way. I know. Oh, my God. Fighting words. In 1985, I feel like it would be even more fighting words it, as well. In America, they have guns. Why would you do that? <laughs> Very true. You're telling me I'm from a, a, a lineage of failures, man. <laughs> One what? of which is in jail. And your thing is to be like, yeah, you're even more of a failure. What happened to teachers about nurturing the next generation and caring Not about how I feel? America, what, a, what a bastard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we move to Hill Valley Town Square. It's pretty depressing. It's a fairly standard 80s looking town. There's a movie theatre that's playing porn. Yeah, I know. I caught that in the background American and I was like... orgy style. It's quite uh, risky for a kid's film. Not a kid's film, but like an all, an all ages mm-hmm. kind of film. Bun- um, bunch of closed shops and Marty takes a cheeky glance at some 1980s aerobic clad hotties is how I would describe that. His girlfriend's right there, by the way. She's right next to him. I mean, it was basically the meme that we've all come to know and love of the looking yeah. over the shoulder. It was it was the origin of that. It's uh, it, Hill Valley is not the Paris of the eighties. Can I just say it's very much <laughs> not at all, very much the Hill Valley of the eighties. Yeah. Dy- almost yeah. dystopian. There's not a single baguette, Eiffel Tower, nothing, which Wait, we was, know that Worcester had. Worcester had an Eiffel Worcester Tower. Had though, both oh those yeah, things. Eiffel Tower, baguettes. Um, uh, what? Hunt, There's the, the only hunchback. two things you associate with Paris. I'm going to have to explain this. Was diet. there a croissant? <laughs> Uh, the, uh, this is all based on my recent findings that <laughs> the, ci- the the city of Worcester, I say city, it's like, if it was in England, it would be a town. But it's a, it's a city because America's just massive. Uh, uh, so the city of Worcester in Massachusetts, um, in at some point in the early 80s, was like, no one is, no one's coming here. 
No one's visiting us. We need a total rebrand. And I can only assume, I'm paraphrasing, I, I, minimally. Um, some guy was like, you know where I've been recently? Paris. And it was fucking wicked. So I think we have a very good chance of calling ourselves the Paris of... Now, you might think I'm about to say Paris of Massachusetts or pa the Paris of America, which would have been a good... No, they wanted to be the Paris of the 80s as if, number one, they were only going to give a shit about it for nine to ten years. <laughs> but also, number two, as if for the 80s, Paris had decided we're taking some time off. <laughs> And this is all the more amusing because we record this podcast in the original Worcester, the Worcester in the UK, which is in no way like Paris at all no. and in no way like America at all. We're in the Worcester of the 2020s. Worcester. <laughs> it's the Midlands. Um, this was all filmed, by the way, on the Universal backlot, this whole section. So just they were very short of money at this stage because they'd done a lot of filming. Do you know a bit of the background about how... It was a completely different actor playing oh, Marty yeah. first. Yeah, Eric uh, Stoltz. Yeah, the Eric Stoltz, Stoltz. Uh, Stoltz boy. Stoltzmeister. Method actor, apparently, which yeah. is something I found out this time. I'm like, I think everyone, <clears throat> at least if you're listening to Time Travel Film Club, there's a good chance that uh, a large degree of our listeners, um, as well as all of us, we all knew the Eric Stoltz thing. Um, if you know, uh, uh, if you talk to anyone about like interesting trivia about Back to the Future, the first thing is like, well, it was originally Eric Stoltz. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that he was method acting is so stupid, Eric. Yeah. There's no... Marty McFly is not anywhere near, like, enough of a full body... What were you no. doing? I'm method acting 18. Like, what, what? how do you, when the camera stops running, be like, I'm still going to be Marty McFly? Okay, a normal person. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, you are not Eric Stoltz. Um, uh, more towards the Jared Leto method acting, oh, no. uh, I would yeah. assume, you know. Sending everybody, um, like, really horrible presents and things. But yeah, I mean, like, no grand surprise they got rid of him um, because I, I read somewhere that they said that he just... It was Zemeckis who said mm. he wasn't bringing the kind of, like, bouncy, energetic... No, it's a fun it's a fun film, isn't it? That's what they're trying to do here. It's, it's I, without, you know, it's not a kid's film, but at the same time, it has got that family nature to it. And Eric Stoltz didn't bring that. And, and Michael J. Fox is on a TV show at this point and is a huge name in America. Right, he's on Family Ties, Family Ties. which is crushing it and is also like very, ex very palatable, mm. nice family S sitcom. Similar style of kind of like situation, yeah. I suppose, is Back to the Future in a way. I read that that's part the, a, a, a big reason why they wanted, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I was going to say Marty, my, uh, they wanted Michael J. Night Owl is because... <laughs> He his he had timing, which you know, like time travel film, the the whole thing there is not lost on me. He had good timing, bravo for you, Michael. Um, but yeah, it's no surprise he had very good comedic timing because he's on a very successful sitcom. So, Marty and Jennifer. Jennifer goes home. Her dad turns up. Um, and and like, sort of leaves Marty, and the kind of music swells up again. We get another hit of Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the news. The and only Oscar this film did win. I'm just going to barge in with Wrongfully. film facts now. Wrongfully. <laughs> uh, it won, uh, won, it won best, <laughs> best Picture, Best Actor. It won, um, it won sound editing. Um, oh, did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Understandable. Got no it got nominated for, I'll, ju I'll, I'll, go, I'll just get out of the way, it got nominated for Best Sound, Best Original Song. Yeah. It won Best Sound Editing. And it also got a cheeky nom for Best Original Screenplay, which I think is, is probably yeah. quite vindicated. Yeah, it probably is. Marty returns home and instantly he lives on this quite nice kind of neighbourhood and there is a busted up car in the driveway. And obviously that's the car he was going to use to take Jennifer to the lake the next night. So he's really disappointed. Goes inside... And we're introduced to Marty's dad, George, and Biff, George's supervisor. And there's this kind of weird 
sort of conversation going on where Biff is bullying George, effectively. They're two grown men, but it feels like you're watching two teenagers and one of them is bullying the other and one. And when Marty walks in, it looks like he's the same age as both men. Yeah. <laughs> Older, if anything. He should defend his brother, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Uh, Biff calls Marty a butthead and leaves, making a really creepy comment about his mum. Again, I mean, after what your principal has just said to you, and then you come home and there's a guy bullying your dad and making comments about your mum. It's a real, like, I want to see, like, the R-rated version of this movie where he <laughs> just goes and, like, murders these people because of how much they're betraying sure. him. Just you runs know? them over with a DeLorean. Just, yeah, te- yeah. everyone around yeah. him is a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out that the entire plot of the films was just a psychotic break. Yeah. He has <laughs> to get out of he's this in awful a, he's in a mental institution the whole time. Um, Marty tells George that he has to stand up to Biff which is something that is obviously never going to happen in this timeline it's just not a thing then we get this kind of weird family dinner this kind of oddly depressing kind of family dinner we get introduced to the other members of the McFly family so you meet his mum Lorraine she's drinking neat vodka just at, at dinner no no judgement Drink what you want with dinner. No, uh, there is judgment. Okay, Scott. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Scott, 100%. Scott's not happy about it. Neat vodka. I mean, uh, it's just the, it's the thing of like your dad's a pushover, your mum's an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, and all you care about is just hitting up your girlfriend in the lake, uh, Marty. But Fair. fine, priorities. As a 32-year-old man, you should really get your, your shit sorted. And we get this kind of like just a moment where Lorraine is telling this kind of lovely story about how her and George both got together. She has kind of remembering it quite kind of fondly. George is kind of embarrassed and just wants to move on. And obviously we'll come back to that in a bit. I'm not really that invested in the mum and dad because they're not in Back to the Future 3, which, as we know, is the the one that, uh, being chronologically first, is the most important film in the trilogy. Because it sets up the rest of the trilogy. Exactly. The you first can't film. have any of this without that kind of strong, sturdy foundation. Exactly. Carrying on with the two films in the franchise. <laughs> we cut to Marty fast asleep in bed. It's 12.30. Doc calls him up on his on his phone. Really nice kind of 80s like phone next to the bed. I love that. Just checking he didn't fall asleep and to make sure he's still going to meet him. Later that night, Marty arrives at the mall and sees this kind of big van parked in the middle of a parking lot. Einstein the dog is sitting watching, and as Marty approaches, there's this kind of rumble from within the van. And out of the back of the van backs... Oh, God, I have to calm myself in this moment. It's such, such a defining moment in my, in my childhood watching this happen for the first time. Out of the back of the van comes a DeLorean DMC-12, which has always been my dream car, and one day I will have one. I only um, found out, like... When I was like 20, I only found out it's a real car. Yeah. I just thought it's a thing made for the film. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks like a toy. So, of course, you made this toy for the film to sell more toys thereafter, you know? Yeah, I think the first thing I found out about it was watching a car show and them talking about how it's like a genuine piece of shit car. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not a good car yeah, at no. all. Is it a, an gonna... American brand? No, it's no, Irish, no. So, it? so DeLorean was American. Um, but he had some sort of like bizarre contract with Belfast. They made all the DeLoreans in the world in Belfast. Really? Yeah. I had no it idea. Was, it was kind of like a big way of putting money back into Belfast at a kind of time. It was kind of around the kind of troubles era of Belfast. Um, and they set up this plant and they made all these DeLoreans and every single one of them was pretty dog shit. It was never a good car. It just never was a good car. And part of the reason that they used the car in the film is because at the time John DeLorean was going through a court case for drug smuggling. Wow. The story behind DeLorean is crazy. So he needs like he needs money to fund the case. Effectively. And so he sells the rights to use his car in the film. It's better than that. The FBI set him up in a sting operation in Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. Okay. It blew my okay. mind when I first heard And this then as how well. does that translate to the film? 
DeLoreans are really cheap at that point because of that. Oh, so just because he's screwed, yep. they can go and they can Absolutely. access that for much, much cheaper than it would be to have like a Honda or something the like that. The original time machine in this was just a fridge just a refrigerator an old american refrigerator and they were like that'd be we hard kind of... to get to 88 miles an hour well yeah <laughs> well also that whole setup is completely different than the original plot they they go to this kind of like uh, american 1950s town where they're testing nuclear bombs and that's how it tra- travels through time wait so indiana jones <laughs> that's why it's in indiana Jones. Right. it's all a nod to steven spielberg <laughs> and back to the future um got sidetracked there sorry so stepping out of the delorean is christopher lloyd as doc and I love Christopher Lloyd in this. He's brilliant. I've always loved Christopher Lloyd and everything he's always been in. Um, he explains to Mai that this is the experiment that he's been waiting to work on his entire life. And it looks really impressive. The DeLorean's covered in all sorts of like contraptions and flashing lights and magic kind of stuff. Doc goes about starting the experiment and gets Marty to film it. He puts Einstein the dog in the car and shows two stopwatches that are both in sync with each other. And then he produces a remote control, which blows Marty's mind. And he drives the DeLorean away and parks it across the parking lot facing them. He then says, when it reaches 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some stuff happen, my boy. And no one turns around and goes, what about the life of this dog? (laughs) We'll just, now we'll sacrifice the dog to science. It's the 80s, to hell with it. The Russians have sent monkeys into space. We're at least sending this dog into, into the future or the past. Who cares? Now, I've never checked to see if this fact is true. But I believe the speedo on a DeLorean doesn't go up to 88. No, absolutely it, correct. It, I, believe it only, <laughs> absolutely I correct. believe it only goes up to 85. That's why there's that little box that reads 88, because they made a special speedo for the car and everything to make it look <laughs> like it went further. And, and I, it could theoretically reach that level of speed. Yeah. But I think in various different trials, although they said, oh, yeah, it can get up to 130. I think it, it was like not to 60 in eight seconds. And then a fair amount of time more before it would get any faster than that. It does look like this really heavy chunk of metal. Mm. There's that Tesla car that's outright, or like the the, the makeshift one. It's like a futuristic Tesla-y thing that I keep seeing on... Oh, the the truck. Yeah, yeah, that's the the one. Yeah, yeah. G-truck, is it called? Whatever. Something like that, but it's just people rag on it constantly on Twitter. All I'm seeing is videos of people ragging on it, saying how crap it looks. And like, I get it because it looks really heavy. It looks like a just a chunk of steel oh, that and you've carved big, windows. It's bigger than a Hummer as well, I think. Yeah. Interestingly, the DeLorean is very light. Is it? Because it, it looks the exact because opposite. Because its construction is really weird. It's a fiberglass car underneath with stainless steel panels stuck on top. That's how they built it. That doesn't sound safe at all. No, it, it was designed by a really prominent uh, guitar... guitar <laughs> by no, a really prominent no. criminal, John DeLorean. <laughs> it just, yeah, designed by a really prominent car designer, Colin Chapman, who worked for Lotus. And the, the technology behind it is is fab- fabulous, really cool thing. Just shit. Just never works. I wonder, just because you said about Lotus, you remember that... Um, the James Bond white one that he, oh, yeah. that dives into. The, I wonder well, if there's an overlap there with well, like. Yeah, I mean those kind of cheese wedge shaped cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cars, they all look like that because that was the style at the time. And on paper, the DeLorean is a really good car, and it but it just never fulfilled its true potential. Well, just like the other thing that was famously made in Belfast, the Titanic, I which you were was say steam train. Well, <laughs> I thought you were going to say no, no. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the, the Titanic mm. as well. Similarly, it was like this amazing design that was supposedly unsinkable, but just aspects of, and I believe it was similarly aspects of potentially dodgy dealings in the upper mm. levels meant yeah. that it was never quite as it was supposed to be. Mm. That's what the grandfather from um, I'll Follow You Down 
That's, that was him. That was him. So as Doc says, the DeLorean starts speeding towards him and Marty. And when it hits 88 miles per hour, it vanishes in a kind of flash of lights and leaves two fire trails on the ground and just disappears from existence. Nice. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. There are like, there are 50 different moments in this film and even in two and three where you can just be like, yep, that's iconic shit. And like totally deserved, almost feels like I'm selling it short by not going like, this is a, we all know it. It's back to the future. Yeah iconic shit and i still audibly gasp every time it happens as well. i can't <laughs> i can't not and, and in terms of like time travel a lot of the times with time travel it'll just be a stationary object and you you go back in time it's really nice to be an object that needs to be moving and that it yeah. makes it seem so much more legit that it has to be you know you you have to reach the 88 miles per hour because of whatever reason yeah um and i do think that in terms of styles of time travel device this is up there with one of the much more interesting ones i mean why wouldn't you make something that can move around i mean we've seen a lot well, of i don't want to pay road tax i don't have to pay road tax that's well, that one yeah, you have to scott don't you <laughs> so are you saying you don't pay insurance road tax? is it a diesel or a petrol who knows if it's electric it's gonna be a nightmare to charge it's electric it's plutonium at this, at this point in nuclear time nuclear cars don't pay road tax yeah, anyway yeah. no no true. he specifically says the plutonium is for the time travel but it generates the, the electric power electric. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair fair and Way to be honest uh, uh as we find out like later on down the line it becomes like in like biodiesel or biofuel oh, oh yeah like he yeah. can't he can't use uh alcohol because the alcohol is for some reason too strong irony being of course that they've now changed all petrol cars in the uk to accept petrol and alcohol at the same time oh really really yeah, so so e5 and e10 petrol contains alcohol oh and most high performance cars will say oh only use e5 and below because mm-hmm. that's ethanol the e uh, is yes, less yeah. ethanol so because huh. yeah i remember i'm like my car takes e10 um and i remember when it was e5 and when i came up to the pump and i was like what the f- what's e10 i just didn't fill up from there i was like oh this this pump has weird stuff i need e5 um until some, some old cars can't take it because it's no it classic does cars are really struggling there's a lot of like problems now with classic car parts malfunctioning because of the new fuels wow i do know that much we get James what I would consider to be a convincer chat. I'd say this is this is a convincer chat. Absolutely, um, it's there's some interesting points that are made in the convincer chat as well. Where because Doc is clearly a a scientist first and foremost, it's less about oh look of all the things we can do with this time travel as you know we're not going to exploit it this way this way. It's more of oh look how pleased I am that I've completed the experiment i aimed yeah. to prove yeah it's it's like you can be convinced if you want to but i'm definitely convinced yeah, it's, i've done it this is what's happening yeah. it's irrefutable i think there's a benefit as well we so frequently see with convincer chats that it's happening between peers it's happening between people of the same age or at least on the same level whereas the only real even in i'll follow you down where you have the grandfather talking to his grandson about it the grandson is a genius so there's less there whereas this is just supposed to be a bog standard teenager who's who wants to have you know fun frolics at the lake with his girlfriend and is also helping out a scientist you know here and there but it's just a young novice ish with a super well-trained completely knowledgeable scientist and so the convincer chat is yeah, it's, it's much easier for yeah. him to get done and then suddenly out of nowhere the delorean reappears in exactly the same spot it vanished from and doc kind of pushes marty out of the way and it's back and it opens it and einstein is completely fine but his watch is now one minute further on in time so he's kind of skipped over a minute and come back to the exact same point 
they don't belabor the point too much. They don't, um, he doesn't sit down and focus in on, there's no diagram drawn about how that minute works. Yeah. It's just one line of dialogue and the audience has to get it. And to be fair, the explanation is really simplistic and really understandable. It's it's kind of remarkable in how just easy it is to just be, yeah, listen, he's, this is a minute ahead, but he he just jumped that minute. That's it. If yeah. If you didn't get it, Believe me, don't worry, audience. You will get the idea very, very quickly. And if you didn't get that one bit, you all know what time travel is. Don't worry about it. If anything, the trip that Einstein does is way more complicated in terms of how you understand time than just going back to the past and then coming back to now. That's just a tourism trip. You know, you go Mm. back, you come, you go to the past, you come back to now. Nice and simple. Very easy to understand. Whereas, oh, no, he's skipped a minute in traveling towards the, you know, that's yeah. from your perspective, more... he just doesn't exist for a minute. Yeah, yeah exactly. And Einstein's perspective, n- nothing changes. Yeah. There's just a big flash, and then he's back, but he's a minute further into the future, which is I thought it was a, uh, it's a nice kind of way of sh- of showing a complicated experiment, but very simply. There's also a bit of a nod here where I think Marty says something along the lines of, "Oh, you could find out the results of the next 25 World Series," which is essentially how Biff then makes his money in. The next yeah, film, absolutely. Uh, and I don't know if that idea came first or if this fil- idea for the second film came first, but it is nice to see that it's kind of a running theme. Mm. I read. I mean, the first draft of this did include trips to the future, um, yeah. And it was they, the the studio was having. There's like a whole torrid tale. The, the the making of Back to the Future could be a podcast in itself because there's just so many interesting little oh, yeah, things, and you know whether it's with Bob Gale and then with Zemeckis and also the Spielberg thing, and there's executives and there's there's distrust and hatred and all this kind of stuff, but. One of the things is uh, uh, that, that peaked out to me is that uh, uh, they weren't too high on the idea of doing time travel because Time Bandits and Final Countdown had both, you know, sort of not performed yeah. well and muddied the water. And it's so even just in the first 15 minutes of this film, you can see why this is such a better execution of palatable time travel, of in, of enjoy, of time travel that you don't have to. Uh, forego enjoyment to understand you get to enjoy it and then you just realize yeah and i also understand it because it's super simple and yet very impressive also worth mentioning as well that bob gale and robert zemeckis projects before this had had been massive failures they'd done kind of movies before that spielberg had been involved with that just didn't do well so this was a bit of a gamble for universal who took this job on well we've got michael douglas realistically to thank to that and we don't thank michael douglas for much Uh, he doesn't have much to thank for um but it's because of the success of romancing the stone zemeckis did the first draft of this and while the second draft was being bandied about and even up to and including the third draft he decided to take some work he took romancing the stone huge success fantastic film and uh it's because of that then they said okay fine we'll pay more attention to this back to the future idea you've got going on yeah so anyway doc is preparing the delorean for its next trip and just at that point some terrorists turn up terrorists (laughs) that he is dealing with and has dealt with in the past absolutely does bring up some questionable things about doc yeah but at least he didn't build them the plutonium bomb they had asked him for they they are described in this as the libyans that's how it's described um obviously this is quite an out-of-date thing now i've seen the musical version of back to the future by the way which is also fab fantastic um but in the musical version they deal with that kind of situation very differently the libyans just aren't part of it at all doc just gets radiation poisoning and that's how he dies so instead right. of okay, instead so... of him being part of a kind of 
terror plot, if you like, and this kind of like weird, almost racial Libyan thing. Um, well, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just cheap. It's, it's just cheap, but it's not. I mean, you know, Don't there know. are there are whole Hollywood has been using holdings for terrorists and, and random nationalities yeah. for years. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing new. It's all it's consistently leaves like you know a mild bitter taste in the mouth but mm. i mean honestly in this film it's so stupid and cheap yeah. that it gets to the point where you you don't i would argue it's not even offensive it's just it's just silly and because yeah. of the nature of the film you're just like yeah you guys fudge that bit but you fudged it in the first 15 minutes of the film so yeah. it's fine we'll just pretend that didn't exist you can watch this and just pretend that didn't exist yeah. you know so the libyan's machine gun doctor death and he dies in front of marty and Marty has to escape, so he dives into the DeLorean and speeds off. And unaware, everything's set up for Marty to travel in time. And he hits 88 miles per hour, and bang, he's in 1955. And it's set up for that time specifically because that is when Doc had the idea of time travel, and he was just laxadaisically typing in random numbers onto yeah. the screen. Uh, also to mention, uh, he says when he's like... Um... What time shall we go to? Look, we can go to so many times. He includes the birth of Christ, which yeah. means that <laughs> the birth of he's Christ. not that much of a scientist, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder about the 88 miles per hour. Uh, do we think they chose 88 because it's double infinity signs? Oh, oh good call. I've never that. once thought about two that. Infinite. And if I wanted to be a bit of a, a, yeah. a loose cannon, I'd be like, well, there's two people doing the time traveling. So there's two. That's why it's 88 and not just like yeah. get the car up to eight miles an hour. Yeah, that's really nice. I've never thought about that. I just always presumed it's just a, a nice number to repeat and say. It is for sure. 88. You know, it's I think like that I mean, there's repeating. a little it's a little I can see why someone who was not paying like 100 percent attention to this film would come away from it and think they're in 1988 because mm. of the amount that 88 is mentioned. Yeah. So, so the fact that there's 85 and 88 bandied about is not ideal, which mm. makes me think 88 might have been intentional because otherwise you just make it 100. Well, I think also maybe it's the thing of they didn't want to make it a round number because that seems less believable. Yeah. But they still want to make it a number that you're not going to do on a on a normal day in the car. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to get into this car and drive at 88 miles per hour. Oh, no, I've accidentally time traveled. It's, yeah. I think it's a it's a mixture of all those things. I yeah, think. yeah. So Marty shocks by the fact that he's just time traveled, crashes straight into a barn on a farm. And he's chased off by a, a, a farmer, basically, with a shotgun. Do you want to know something really weird? And I don't know if this is intentional for the film. There was an alien encounter in 1955 where a mysterious ship appeared near a farmhouse and the, farmers engaged, uh, the farmer engaged in shooting at the aliens that came out of the spaceship. Oh, that's too Which much of a is just a little bit on the nose uh, for yeah. what happened here. Yeah. Uh, it was, however, in Kentucky, oh. uh, not in... California? California? I always forget where this yeah, place yeah, is. America yeah. doesn't seem real to me. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know what state they're in. Oh, I think they're in California. Hill Valley, maybe... California. Yeah. Is that? Oh, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. One bit in this moment that I... I've seen this film 50 bloody times. I saw it at least like 20 times one mm-hmm. summer as a six-year-old with a VHS. Yeah, fair. Uh, as like as like almost everyone our age did do, we all saw this at some point on like a VHS tape when we were between the ages of, you know, five and ten. Um, I never ever until seeing it this time for this podcast realized that when he i didn't i just didn't catch the very small line that's kind of there's a lot of sound going on so you hear the line but there's also crashing and driving and screams and shouts going on the line where the farmer's like my pines you ran over my pines yeah man <laughs> i just didn't grab that bit and yeah. like we mentioned about how this movie is effectively just 
lots of fan service for payoffs. This yeah. movie is just like payoff, 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 payoff. Here's a mention here. There's a payoff there. Here's a mention here. Payoff there. Mention here. Payoff there. Across both across three movies as well as within the movies themselves. But that payoff, I didn't. I never grabbed at all. Yeah. And so, like, it's nice to even now be discovering things about Back to the Future. Yeah. Weirdly. That was also the same one I came up first with. I was like, really? That was yeah. the first time I went, oh, I didn't catch that in yeah. the hundreds of times I've seen this film. Yeah. It's funny how, like, when you're paying, it's... how much paying attention helps. <laughs> 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 Doc said, you know, Doc says as a throwaway comment, and I always thought it was weird before I realized it as well. And he's like, yeah, old man Peabody had this thing about growing pine trees here. And you just think to yourself, well, it's called Twin Pines Mall. I don't know what. And then later on, obviously, it blew my mind the first time I saw it as well. It was like, yeah, that's good fan service. Like nice. I thought, like there's the there's the layer of the thing of it's two pines, then it's one pine, yeah. and that is something you enjoy with a repeated viewing. Yeah. And I thought that's as deep as it goes. But the fact that they seeded in the destruction of the pines <laughs> yeah. is yeah, it's great. And yeah. so that Oscar nom for original screenplay, that's the kind of stuff it comes from. It's yeah. just like writing this thing down that even if you didn't act it out, you can still, if you read the script, be like, this is well done. Yeah, because it, it, it's one of those things that like it wouldn't have made a difference if that wasn't in there at all. You wouldn't have. It doesn't make a difference to the plot, but it's a nice additional time travel thing that like adds to the depth of it. So. Marty speeds off after being nearly shot and takes out one of the pines, like you say, Scott. Uh, flies down the road and he pulls up next to a billboard sign for Lion Estates, which is Marty Street from 1985, but it is unbuilt. And he kind of tries to convince himself it's just a dream. And at that point, the DeLorean just cuts out in the middle of the road. So Marty pushes it behind the billboard and heads off towards Hill Valley on foot. And we get into Hill Valley... And it's instantly the 50s. You tell that straight away. Mr. Sandman is playing from somewhere. By Metallica. By Metallica. (laughs) Enter Mr. Sandman. (laughs) Enter Mr. Sandman is a very different song. (laughs) There's 50s cars, 50s shops, and the cinema is not showing porn, but is showing 50s films. Yeah. People did consume porn in the 50s, which, though, in case you want, like... That's a great film fact, Scott. Thank you. Brilliant. What what type of porn did they watch in the 50s? Uh, Mostly black and white. Yeah. (laughs) At that point, the clock tower bell chimes, which Marty's probably never heard in his entire life. So he's very dazed and confused. Good point. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, this will be the first time that's ever made a noise for him from his perspective. And he finds a newspaper in a trash can. And it is November 5th. 1955. I've he... just realised that this, that scene in Curvature is a pull from Back to the Future, where she finds a newspaper in the trash. Is it? Because she literally, like, it's on the nose. It can't yeah. be anything other than just she could find the day out in a myriad yeah. uh, of ways, and yet she walks up to a, a trash can, finds a newspaper, looks at the date, and so it's literally a good for Curvature. <laughs> good for Curvature. Good for Back to the Future of being so influential for every time travel. Yeah. I, I bet we can find a film that did it before this. I bet if we go shush, back and look, we can you. find a film that did it first. <laughs> <laughs> the Poseidon Adventures. What is it, Scott? Yeah, the, 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 Pos- the Poseidon Extremis. Uh, yeah. uh, with the Philadelphia the, with, Experiment. Yeah, exactly, I'm sure yeah, they do it in yeah. that as well. well. There was that line in that. Uh, the, it's the same line. The, the Ronald Reagan, Reagan line. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. talked about it. That Ronald is... Reagan, the actor. The actor? <laughs> Marty goes across the square and enters a diner. Uh, and he's going to try and call Doc. There's a payphone in the back. But he doesn't have any success. But he knows Doc is alive in this timeline. That's what he was really checking for. He goes and sits down next to a spiffy-looking teenager who is enjoying his morning cereal. Can you imagine? 
going out to eat cereal as a teenager. Like, I don't know if that's an American thing or a 50s thing, but weird. Just bizarre to me. No, I totally agree. Like, the... It is so, it's a home food. It's a food you have in your own home. No one has cereal outside of the home. It's also a private food. It's not, I, it I mean, I, I eat my cereal very differently <laughs> to you guys, clearly. No, no, I, I completely, the, the, you said that though, and I was thinking, it's a private food yeah. cereal. You eat that in your privacy. It's not something you share with people, the guzzling milk at your face as no, you kind of like, you like, know, Honestly, yeah, it's not something that's like edifying to do in public, is like shoveling this soggy fiber into your mouth yeah. and, people and did... especially if you're a psychopath like Crispin Glover <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> and people did try to do like cereal cafes for a while I know certainly yeah, yeah. In there's still one in Woods, London there was, I think yeah there was there more was that, of that. that one serial killers that eventually did go bust oh um, did it right yeah, had like tons of memes and internet stuff about it uh, a whole weird thing and like I get the the niche novelty but like yeah. just just rocking up to a diner where other people are having bacon and eggs and fry ups and, and coffee yeah. and stuff like that and being like yeah I'll just take a bowl of bran and you know full well that you're getting a little bit ripped off with a cup of tea when they charge you two quid yeah, and whatever yeah. whatever but if i was charged <laughs> anything more than 10 pence for cereal livid yeah true yeah. uh the so i said crispin clover is a psychopath uh where am i making that pull from uh, everywhere uh, everything everything Chris Glover's in, but, ever uh, done surely charlie's angels charlie's, angels. charlie's the angels best film much. that yeah, he yeah. is in he as yeah. the creepy thin man what a great character he is in that film. Mm. Really? The first time I, because I think Charlie's Angels is what, 2003? So like, yeah. uh, I'm like 13 and starting to recognise actors' faces. And uh, Crispin Glover is a face you recognise and remember. And you I th- never forget that man's no. face. Let alone the name, by yeah. the way. Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Yeah. I know. And I think you're right that that might be, when I look into my memory banks, the first thing I think of him in is probably Charlie's Angels. Yeah. So mm. then being able to see him in all these other things, I'm like, oh, he is a legitimate, creepy actor. Yeah. Not, yeah. not a bad actor great at playing a creepy character yeah i can't i can't see him playing anything that isn't creepy that's sort of like i know in this film i mean he's a bit of a pervert but like everything i've seen him in since he's been in a kind of character driven role yeah and that's obviously what he goes for that's his thing at that point young biff walks in it's the same biff it's the same actor but it's a younger version of him and he's aggressive why is he so believable as a 50s character by the way yeah. I, I don't know he is the most believable 50s character in this film in mm. my opinion he just mm. is a meathead from the 50s yeah. i think he rocks the um oh, like, like buzz the army cut, buzz almost. cut yeah, yeah like, really believably yeah. Cut, like a flat top or something the way like either way yeah. he just looks like that person yeah, yeah. And, he, and like it's that kind of thing of he's a big guy he's quite gangly as well and mm. all of his clothes look one size too small but that was like a 50s thing i've yeah, seen enough films so. and stuff to know that like that everyone was wearing to fit things yeah. um but yeah he's a 50s bully bang on the money honestly yeah. biff calls out to mcfly and marty thinks he's talking to him and he's like how would biff know who i am but he's not Sitting next to him is his own father as a young man. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. But not like in a dun, dun, dun way. It's like in a light, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, a, oh, it's oh, his sure, dad yeah. kind of way. Yeah. This movie's never like no. paradox. Look out, man. You no, know, anything not at like all. That. I, do, I do always wonder with sort of time travel films, when you meet somebody. So in this example, Biff is meeting Marty. Biff will then age and meet this exact same Marty later in the future. Would you be able to recognise that person and say, wait, I've 
I've well, met this exact person before. I was going to bring this up a little bit later on. So there's a moment near the kind of end of the film where Marty says goodbye to Lorraine and George. And Lorraine says something along the lines of, Marty, that's such a nice name. So are we to presume that Marty names himself? Well, interestingly, in the third film, we learn that there is Don't another it? Marty McFly, one of his older relatives. I think it's his, is it his father's oh. brother or... His, something oh yeah, yeah it's great his, his, his great his great great uncle our yeah, something it's his like great grandfather's brother yeah that's his, it his yeah. great grandfather's brother was the original marty so mm. I, I assume what then has actually happened is that she's gone oh that's a nice name that marty and that's triggered a memory in her head of oh yeah you know i think one of my great grandparents was named marty or yeah, great granduncle yeah. mm. was named marty so which itself is, is not a name it's just martin it's just a nickname for martin surely yeah. we've just talked about a man called crispin yeah, well, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, pick on true. Marty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His name is Crispin. You do mention a good thing, though, about Biff not... He sees this guy in the 50s and, you know, 30 years later, a... Well, not 30 years later. Um, 30 years later. I was going to say 30 years later, a child is born that looks like him. But no, he's 18. So yeah. 30 minus it. 12 years later, a child is born. Yeah. And uh, that uh, child, that child grows, grows into a man to... that you met in the past. Yeah. yeah. So, and granted, OK, I buy. Yeah, he doesn't. He just doesn't remember that yeah. face from that one time yeah. that was kind of yeah. throwaway. It's not throwaway. It's Clint. It's uh, I was going to say Clint Eastwood. It's <laughs> Calvin Klein. Yeah. And he has a big impact on your life. A so huge you should impact yeah. on his life. Yeah, huge would, impact. You'd see him in the future, thirty years later, and you'd be like, "You look exactly yeah. like Calvin Klein." Let, uh, but the point I'm trying to make effectively is that okay, fine. He doesn't remember. He doesn't, you know, face scan or face register that kind of thing. Fine. But in two, old Biff does remember. So yes. old Biff is 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 in the future. He's like, I remember a DeLorean, and I remember seeing yeah. this thing thirty years in the past. So yeah. maybe it's just that old Biff is more memory wise. Maybe I've just had this thought right now, so you can shoot me down. Maybe middle aged Biff just went, ah, I knew that hussy slept with that Calvin guy, and just thinks that Marty Fair. is from an affair at some Quite point. Possibly, yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah, say hi to your mum because I know yeah. she's been promiscuous, so she yeah, might be again. exactly. <laughs> So Biff bullies George as he does in the, in the kind of future in 1985, and Marty is shocked by it all and, and misses George leave. George just leaves, goes off on his bike and leaves the situation. Marty follows him and follows him to this kind of leafy suburb, kind of just outside of Hill Valley, and he can't find George. He finds his bike and then he looks up above him in a tree, and George is looking at Lorraine in her underwear through the bedroom window with a pair of binoculars. Peeping Tom. Yeah. Peeping Difficult Tom. to redeem. Yeah. Which, well, it's... which is why he's so uncomfortable with the story about how they met in 1985, I guess. It's also hard to redeem the scenario for the audience. It was for me, at least, in mm. that you're telling me this Peeping Tom thing is the then the inciting... Thing. You're peeping Tom, so you fall out the tree, so you get hit by her dad, yeah. so you meet her, so you fall in love with her, yada yada. He gets then... rewarded for his behaviour. That's yeah. exactly what I'm getting at, James. Yeah, the, the, it's set up that this is supposed to be just a thing that is necessary to happen and that we don't really mind, and it is, yeah, it's weird. So that all happens, like you say, Scott. But instead of George being hit by the car, as Lorraine says in the story earlier, Marty is hit by the car, and Lorraine's parents take Marty inside the house, and he wakes up. What, nine hours later? Something like that? With no underwear on. No trousers on. He's got uh, his underwear. They saw his underwear had his name Calvin Klein written into it. Oh. 
So oh. she's definitely had a peek. She's probably, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably taken it oh. off and then put it back on, maybe. Yeah, she thought, uh, this will yeah. be weird if he wakes up with nothing on the, at all. The 50s were weird, man, honestly. Yeah. There's just a lot of people doing a lot of weird stuff. Marty wakes up in Lorraine's bed, and the light turns on, and there she is. It's Marty's mother, but younger. And very beautiful. I've always thought Leah uh, Thompson is beautiful. Absolutely. Like in, in this scene, she rub. really is like, she has the kind of 50s heartthrob look about mm. her. Absolutely. Mm. It's kind of strange because he has a girlfriend, Mar- like Marty has Jennifer, and you think Jennifer's going to be like the, the Love romantic interest. attachment. Yeah, yeah she's going to be the romantic involvement throughout mm. the film. And then like, nope, Gen- bye Jennifer, bye. see she's you later, gone. no one cares about you. Yep. It's all about his hot mother. Some similarities between his hot mother and Jennifer as well. Like, not not dissimilar yeah, in how they I, look. I know, I, I'm yeah, well, right there with you. They invite Marty downstairs to have dinner with them. And basically, it's another kind of weird dinner conversation uh, that's happening. There's a baby called Joey who's in a crib next to the table. Behind bars. Yeah, behind bars. And literally, in the future, that child is just in prison all the time. That's just like a nice, uh, again, yeah. nice, nice payoff. Nice, pay, uh, nice payoff. Uh, you know, his, his, his A will show you B. Or rather, his B will show you A. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. very much a... We, it's a Here's an answer for a question you don't know yet. Yeah. Later on in the film, we'll show you where the question comes yeah, from. Absolutely, yeah. And there's a bunch of moments in this sequence. So uh, Lorraine's mother says, um, do I know your mother? Because obviously there's some weird recognition going on. She would recognise him in some way. And he, she literally knows her mother. She's sitting next to him. Marty gets freaked out because Lorraine grabs him by the thigh under the table and he leaves. And he immediately heads to Doc's house. He got the address from the, from the, phone, from the phone book, heads over there and he's going to convince Doc... What needs to happen is you need to get me back to the future. Now, da, 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 da. <laughs> it's great when they say it in the yeah, movie, I, I pop. But even when you say yeah, it, well, I it's pop. Amazing, right? When someone says the yeah, title yeah, yeah. of the film we're covering in the podcast, I pop. <laughs> so, slightly interesting, maybe not 100% relevant, but there's the idea of time travel that time travel will only be possible once it's been discovered mm-hmm. back to the time it was discovered. So it is quite nice that the time he's come back to is literally the same day Doc has bumped his head and thought of time travel. Yeah, absolutely. So he's thought of time travel, and the next thing that happens is he's visited by someone who's time travelled. It's almost as though the bump on the head is the reason Marty has arrived, Mm. which, in a kind of circular logic, is true. Yeah. It's nice. It's, it's really rewarding for a scientist to not have to bother with thirty years of trying to work (laughs) out if I'm right. Yeah. (laughs) Immediately going, I've just had this idea. Boop. Oh. So my idea is correct, yeah? It is. Yeah, it, is. It, is. it is. Stephen Hawkins said multiple times that he would host a party for time travellers and not tell anybody the date until after it had passed. Because, of course, if you turned up, you were a legit time traveller because oh, shit, the date yeah. wasn't revealed. That's That's nice. I was going to say that That's is really so cool. smart, but I, that Stephen Hawking being smart is a surprise to no one. <laughs> um, yeah, what a great idea. Yeah. And obviously that's how Marty convinces Doc with his own kind of convincer chat in a way. It's kind of a little bonus extra one that he is a time traveler. And the bump on the head is what gives it away. They go and collect the DeLorean and Doc's just ecstatic because the DeLorean is something that he has invented that works. At that point, they kind of return to the, the garage and... Sorry, I can't stop <laughs> saying it. It's so, like, oh in my God. head. It's this so, good. so good. I'm sorry, so I'm good. sorry. I, I had can't no get out idea of it. that this was going to be the what happened when Adam hosts, he can't pronounce the word garage Do anymore. Do not cut <laughs> not a word either of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sake. They return to the garage. To the, they return to the car home. Car home. <laughs> the place where you keep the cars. And they decide that 
they're going to make a plan to kind of get Marty back to the future. They're watching the videotape back, and Doc says how much electricity it takes to power the DeLorean 1.21 gigawatts, and there is nothing in 1955 that can make that apart from a bolt of lightning. It's, it's interesting, the gigawatt, gigawatt kind of debate. Yeah. Um, and I know some people get really hung up on that pronunciation, but ultimately, it, it doesn't really matter. In, in the... In terms of the science of it, gigawatt, gigawatt, whatever. Pr- pronounce it whichever way you want. Giga just means big. Gif and Jif. Are we on that that's argument? What I was, that's what yeah, I was that's thinking, my go-to. Yeah. Well, uh, Gif and Jif's interesting because the guy who invented it said it should be Jif. He's wrong. But if you pronounce it based on how graphics is spelt, it's Gif. Yeah, you don't... Yeah. But who, who cares? It's a pronunciation. Yeah. Whatever. Garage. <laughs> Fuck you. Doc explains that Marty has to stay inside and not interact with anybody. That's the kind of grandfather paradox thing, right? And Marty says, Ugh, you might have already done that, I'm afraid. You should have probably told me this in 1985. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they they have a look at the photograph that Marty has in his pocket, and it's of him and his siblings. And at that point, you can see very clearly that they are starting to vanish from existence on the photograph. Now, I love this as a theme for a film. Really dislike this in terms of kind of causality and time travel. Because, I, I mean, a film we've talked about very recently, About Time, his dad mentions that even the smallest change before you were born stops his kids from being the right kids. Because of the, the whole thing of it's not necessarily the same sperm meeting the same egg. So for him to be able to undo it, and you can see it fade out of a photograph, don't love. But then for him to be able to fix it, also don't love. Um, it, it kind of flies in the face of how time travel works. You yeah, it's it's like... It's almost like, oh, yeah, well, if you just make sure everything's kind of okay, it will go back to exactly how it is when it shouldn't. It should go back to being kind of like how it is. And also the picture f- the picture fades in parts, which is nuts. So it's like... Yeah, oh, bits of you, them yeah, vanish. You've messed yeah. about with time travel, so you're headless now. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's also because it's not he, him that disappears first, it's his brother. Yeah. So it's almost like, oh, your parents, they certainly aren't going to bang next week, so your brother's not getting conceived. But maybe you can fix it so they'll bang the week after and you'll still be maybe conceived. you'll still have a sister. Why doesn't the whole picture just vanish? Because the who, photo should never have the been taken. The photo should never have been taken. Who's taking a photo of that well? But the movie's, not, the, movie, the movie's not concerned. No, it's not because at even all. Then, even if we're, talking, if we're talking circular logic, when he arrives to everything that he says to 1955 Doc Brown, Doc Brown should know in 19... 19- 85 True. right so he should be able to say like oh no you don't need to con- you can convince me now and then in 1985 doc brown can turn around and say listen marty i remember in the past when you visited me and uh, you just like hung out with your mum in her bedroom uh, you just don't do that i'm telling you now <laughs> don't not do, do it that. now <laughs> yeah um and also it's not as bad in this film as it is in the third one with the tombstone that gets broken in half and they just have a photograph of a bare piece of land <laughs> like why does that photo exist <laughs> So uh, Marty and Doc go to the high school and they see George being bullied again. And it's at this point that Marty realises the reason that the timeline is broken is because Marty is the one who has interfered with this. And Marty decides, I need to get my parents together. No matter what I do, I have to make this happen. So we then get a series of scenes, basically, over the next course of the the next few minutes, where Marty is trying to actively convince George to ask Lorraine out to the dance. Just backtracking a little bit, at one point Doc says the Florence Nightingale effect. Yeah. Right? He says like, "Oh yeah, well your your you know uh, uh, your mother 
1955 was looking after you and now she's fallen in love with you the florence nightingale effect and i was like number one is that real number two i don't know and I, florence nightingale uh, uh fact noah i am not you know uh, at all well, why not that's your job it's, today yeah well it's fact it's finder. Oh, yeah, one of those about F- florence. I, yeah fact finder i thought one of them was florence finder um <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know if florence nightingale is famous for falling in love with her Patience. Uh, I think it's more their patience falling in love with her. No, no, that, no, no, the, the no Florence specifically Yeah, that oh. way round is mentioned because that's, oh, that's what Doc says. He says she cared for you, and now she's fallen oh, in love with shit. you. The Florence okay. Nightingale effect. Right. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that Florence Nightingale never fell in love with any of her patients. Thank you. Um, and How dare fact, they besmirch Florence's name? <laughs> she, she was so dedicated to nursing. She never married. She oh. spent her entire life and career nursing people and just did not marry because she didn't want it to interfere with her nursing. How dare Doc Brown? How Um, dare he? uh, This is really the main thing that pushes it into the zeitgeist as a phrase. This film does. But it was earlier than that, certainly as early as 1982, that it was used by... uh, It was used in an interview about people falling in love with those they care for. Weird. so yeah, we, we see Marty finally convincing George to ask Lorraine out to the dance. And it happens a couple of times, unsuccessfully. And then he turns up at George's house in the middle of the night in his hazmat suit, puts some rock and roll music on, and convinces him he's Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Ticking two boxes immediately. <laughs> P- pissing off fans. Pissing off <laughs> many <laughs> people at once. The next day after the Darth Vader experience that George goes through, he finally plucks up the courage and he goes to ask Lorraine out. He goes to the diner, all the kids are in the diner, and unfortunately, Biff turns up once again and ruins it. Marty intervenes and they chase outside. And then there's this, I love this sequence, I absolutely love it. And it happens in most of the movies, to be honest. Um, They go out into the town square and they begin this skateboard chase around the town square. Biff's chasing him in a car with his cronies. And it all ends up, towards the end, with Biff's car crashing into the back of a manure truck. Iconic shit. Iconic shit. I mean, not necessarily the manure, although within this trilogy, well, that is iconic yeah. shit. But, like, it's the chase scene. I think I would go as far as to say that anyone who thinks about Back to the Future, the one of oh, the yeah. first three images that will pop into your head is him on a skateboard or him on a hoverboard, realistically. Yeah, which is the same thing. Um, also, of course, skateboards invented in California in the 50s. Oh, so they? legitimately, oh, cool. the, the well, same time they were invented. At this exact moment, <laughs> this is where it happens. Legitimately, that is sort of a nod, could potentially oh, cool. be a nod to that. the invention of it. Nice. Um, I, this is also the moment with uh, I, one of my favourite things, if not my favourite thing in all of the Back to the Future films, and I only realised this this time round, are Biff's cronies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Biff's cronies are yeah. fantastic for physical, just like In every comedy. film as well. Yeah. They're, they're different in each film. And every time it's like they're perfect physical comedy uh, and don't they na- Aren't their names always something really weird? Like, isn't yeah. one of them called 3D? 3D. <laughs> and I think one of them was called like Chase or something it's, like that. And then... This Watch Round is the first I had no idea one of them is Billy Zane. Mad. Had oh, yeah. No yeah, idea. yeah, yeah. I, only looking at the cast, I went... Who was Billy Zane? I know, and yeah. And then I realised. I wonder if it's his first film or whether he'd done kind of... I don't, One of I didn't the look. first. I mean, we mentioned Titanic yeah. earlier on. Mm. That, that's what people think about when they think yeah. about Billy Zane is the Titanic and Phantom and all that. But I had no idea. Again, it's just wonderful. Like, you see these films ten times, but now that you're paying attention, you just yeah. look at, like, random background people. And But yeah, Biff's, um, Biff's cronies, just great laughs throughout the whole thing. Yeah. 
this and Critters, his first two roles. Oh, Critters. Wow. So the chase sequence only makes Lorraine hornier for Marty, which I is wrote, unpleasant. I wrote down at one point, Jesus, Marty, stop turning your mother on. <laughs> it should be number two on your agenda right now. Number one, correct the time stream. Number two, stop titillating your mother. Yeah. I mean, they, they go hand in hand. Stop titillating your mother and you'll fix the <laughs> yeah, timeline. Exactly, man. So Marty returns to Doc's garage and he... Oh, I've done it again. <laughs> I did two then. I did both. I did garage. <laughs> and Marty makes it very clear that he needs to tell Doc something about the future and Doc is... I'm not interested. I don't want to know about my own future. Lorraine then turns up at Doc's workshop and Marty has no choice but to ask her to the dance. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to engineer a new way of us dealing with this situation. Oh, all he has to do is pretend that he's aggressively trying to finger bang her. Yeah, that's the plan. He's going to park in a car with her and and do a little bit of kind of aggressive hands work. I noticed that terminology it. of like, oh, Marty, I've parked with a, parked a, with yeah. a, with a boy before. I'd never heard that before. Interestingly, um, Bob Gale, uh, half of the writing team for this mm-hmm. film, the biggest impetus for him writing the screenplay was him finding his dad's old yearbook and in the attic and sitting there <laughs> wondering, oh, I wonder if what how life would be if I went back and would my parents and I be friends in 19... Would I buy in, my mum? the <laughs> 50s, <laughs> alarmingly. Um, yeah. But the second sort of uh, uh, big influence on his uh, on the first draft of, of the screenplay at least is that he noticed that his mother was a liar uh, he noticed <laughs> wow <laughs> he know- I am, I'm 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 miss I'm rewording yeah, his yeah, things, yeah. but he said uh, essentially he noticed that a lot of the stories his mother would tell about her younger life didn't add up and that there were contradictions throughout oh, all right. of them um, which is effectively yeah is is, is what Lorraine's is, yeah. character in this someone who earlier in the film when she's you know uh, uh, knocking back vodka at the kitchen table I'd never ask a boy out I'd never yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. a virgin was I I wouldn't sit in the car and I, I didn't drink when I was younger I didn't yeah. smoke I didn't do any of that kind no, of stuff sat in oh, loads she of ticks cars. all three boxes she does. in that car in, as well in Smokes, like a minute drinks, too. touches it yeah, like yeah. bang 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 yeah. it's a li- it is a li- I think that the smoking is a bit much. I think it's too on the nose. I think like yeah. the fact that your mother told you X, Y, Z, and now she's parking with a boy, and she said she's done it before, yeah. and she's knocking back a hip flask, not even a stolen bottle of your dad's yeah. scotch or something. No, you've got you own a hip flask. So to have her then light one up just feels a bit like <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. What's next? She's going to start like taking heroin or talking about yeah. the, the brothels she's worked in. <laughs> Marty goes to George and tells him the plan. He says, all you need to do is I'm going to be in the car with Lorraine and I'm going to be, you know, like making things awkward for everybody whilst we're watching Why are it. your hands so low as you demonstrate that? I'm pointing at Scott's feet. <laughs> that's, what, that's what she's into. Um, and he says, open the car door and stop it from happening. You'll be the hero. Lorraine will fall in love with you. Everything will be great. It'll be all, all fine and dandy. So, it's the night of the dance. Doc's prepping the town square for the plan. His plan, by the way, is to hang a big old piece of metal wire from the clock tower roof across the road. And when the DeLorean hits it, at the same time as the lightning bolt hits the clock, because obviously they know exactly when that lightning bolt's going to hit, it'll send Marty back to the future. In a movie where so much in the past has not happened in the exact same way it was supposed to happen, they are putting a lot of faith in this one lightning bolt hitting a square centimetre of Earth. It's interesting because, of course, it hits a clock, so the clock stops at an exact time, so they know the exact time, and they can even watch the clock and time it and be like, oh, if that's 15 seconds fast, we can see it. It's also very interesting that its nature stays very much on course. It doesn't give a crap about the rest of the time travel you've been up to. It's just like, no, no. 
the, the lightning will strike will always happen. You can't change that part. He says, I think, like, doesn't Doc say something along the lines of, oh, the meteorologists are much better than someone else? That's in... Oh, that's uh, in the second one. In the second one, one? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, he predicts he, the rain stopping. Down to, like, a 0.5 of a second. That's he yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, like, funny because people, including meteorologists that... James, you played me a podcast recently with a meteorologist who was talking about the misrepresentation of meteorologists as expert weather predictors rather than just yeah. people who are trying Data to make... Data educate- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and educated guessers. Um, yeah. Marty tries in vain once again to tell Doc what happens to him in the future, and Doc's not interested. So Marty decides, I'm going to write him a letter, and I'll sneak it into his pocket. And he does that, and then Marty heads off to the school dance to go and carry out the plan. So we talked about, yeah, she pulls out a liquor bottle, she has a swig from it, which horrifies Marty. She starts smoking a cigarette, horrifies Marty again. And at that point, George is at the dance, and he realises he's late to stop Marty. There's a, a knock on the door of the car, and the car door opens, and it's not George, it's Biff. And Biff is angry about his manure-filled car. Grabs Marty out, throws him on the ground, and then he realises Lorraine is in the car, and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll take a little bit of that before I beat Marty up. Well, instead. you were assaulting her, so I'll assault I might her. as well, too. Yeah. Biff's cronies take Marty away and leave Lorraine and Biff alone in the car. They chuck him in the back of a car around the corner, and it gets locked, and the key's locked inside with him. At that point, George finally reaches Lorraine's car and is prepared to open it and to punch Marty in the stomach and for everything to be fine. Unfortunately, he opens the car and there is Biff with his hand up Lorraine's skirt instead. Biff has gone now from just a regular sort of douchebag to genuine criminal rapist like genuine unpleasant yeah disgusting human being at this point which that is the it's the thing that's aged the worst about this film yeah aside from the libyans if not on the same level as the libyans they don't have to compete basically they yeah it's, it's aged terribly uh, uh yeah. in in 1984 when this came out or 1984 i forget um that may well have run as like, yeah, this is something that happened in the 50s. And I get that it probably did happen in the 50s. But yeah. um, it's just a lot, man. It's just a, like, I just don't, it takes, it doesn't, not necessarily takes me out, but it, it bummed me out while I was watching it. Because yeah. it's just like, he was already a dick to her. He yeah. was already, you could have, you know, he was already strong arming her. Or maybe, maybe I'm pulling from the second a bit because there's a bit where he grabs her in the street. And it's like mm. quite an aggressive grab for, for a guy who's like three feet taller than her. But yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I just didn't like it. I also feel like this event doesn't change for the timeline. So when they do go back to the future later and everything's kind of better and corrected, he still did this to her. And she's comfortable with him washing Washing their cars. Car. Yeah. yeah, that Weird. is a bit... I hadn't considered I, that, but that's I only, I only literally thought about that this time round when I was actually looking at it in more depth. I'm like, she's... It's a very weird thing, that is. Well, but, we'll, you know. when we talk about two, we'll touch on the weirdness of Biff's relationship to this family. Yeah. Yeah. So the guitarist from the band is trying to get Marty out of the back of the car, and he slips and he cuts his hand, and he can't play guitar anymore. Marty finally gets out. He runs just at the point that George McFly lays one hell of a punch on Biff. He finally stands up to him and knocks Biff clean out. I mean, Crispin Glover, I could believe that he is just sinew and that he could somehow pull <laughs> yeah. a punch that would feel like being shot out of his shoulder yeah. somewhere. One punch, man. That's who he is. <laughs> That's where that all comes from. Um, and obviously Lorraine suddenly sees George for the kind of like person that he is and the pair of them walk off kind of arm in arm together. That's it. Mission done. Mission Good. done. Everything's fine. 
uh, uh, your parents are good. There's a point where Doc says to him, like, I'll take care of the lightning. You take care of your dad. And Marty has now taken care of his dad. It's all sorted until Marty looks at the photograph and he's still vanishing from existence. Which I think we have to assume is down to the cut on the hand of a guitar player. Absolutely. He goes back to the band and he says to them, you guys have got to get in there and play. It's the, a part of this whole thing is you you play the song that they first kiss to and that's where they fall in love. And if you don't play the song, they won't fall in love. And then I'm history. That's basically what he says. Do we believe that Lorraine would wait that long for a first kiss? I don't think so. Well, she's drunk and high on nicotine as well at this point. So <laughs> she, she would be... Anything's happening. Yeah. And uh, uh, George is high on, you know, testosterone and adre- <laughs> adrenaline. <laughs> Um, the, the guitarist from the band says, unless you know anybody else can play, the dance is over, it's done. And obviously, Marty can play guitar. So, And to be honest, the, the Marty playing guitar at this point, I've forgotten. It's happened oh, so... Really? Yeah, because it happens right at the beginning of the yeah. film. And him as a rock star musician, that's yeah. what I want to do, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't no. matter to any of these three films at all what he wants to do. In fact, we know what he does in the future, and it's working for a very loud Japanese man. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Marty plays the song that the pair of them first kissed to, but somebody cuts in and it almost doesn't happen. And there's a very wonky CGI moment here where Marty looks at his hand and his hand is kind of vanishing and he can't play guitar anymore. I'm not surprised the guitar didn't exist yet. Absolutely. Very good, James. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like that, that particular guitar, not not in yeah. production at that point. It's a Gibson ES-345, if you were interested. And yeah, they didn't start producing them until 1958. So, uh, well. I'm going to let them have that one because <laughs> it looks cool. I won't. I won't. There's no mistakes in uh, Shut the up, James. Film. You're wrong. <laughs> There's no mistakes. The third <laughs> film is airtight. George cuts back in, kicks the guy out of the way, and they finally kiss. And at that point, Marty's hand reappears. He can suddenly play guitar again. And everyone in the photograph is back into existence and he has saved the day completely. At that point, the band ask him to play another song, something that really cooks. And he plays Johnny Be Good, which is obviously a real 1950s banger. Another B to A moment. It's he's created this in his own timeline. Yeah, absolutely. The band is Marvin Berry and the Starlighters, by the way. And Chuck Berry obviously wrote Oh, that's Johnny cool. be good. So it's just yeah, another he, one of those just, little yeah, things. It's a bit it's this, constant all this the way through. This moment is a lot like the skateboard chase earlier in yeah. the film. Iconic moment that everyone associates with Back yeah. to the Future. It's and it, it is very good, and I have nothing to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Marty heads off to go and meet Doc because he's running late, to be honest. And he gets there, and Doc sort of berates him, and he's like, "Where, where have you been? You know, we we're on a tight schedule." Doc explains that he's drawn a line further up the road, and that's where Marty has to start from to reach eighty-eight miles per hour at exactly the right point. He's done all the calculations. When the alarm clock goes off that he's put on the dashboard. That's when you hit the gas and everything will be fine. Much nicer than in, in number three, where yeah. he has to drive potentially off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. you don't know if that's going to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's terrifying. And if it doesn't, you're dead. Whereas here, if it doesn't work, you'll just be parked on the street yeah. a bit further down. And you'll have to live your life in the 50s. Yeah. Like poor old Errol has to live. For... Oh, no, not Errol. No, that's uh, the... what, 41. No, 41, Aiden, yeah, yeah, Aiden, yeah, 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 yeah. Just a quick note on the, yes. um, the, the gigawatts, the gigawatts that we've got here. Sure. Um, of course... That is a bit of a weird thing to talk about in a unit of power for lightning because it doesn't really make sense that the conversion is to do with time as well. How do they so, me- how do they measure lightning? Is it just in volts, like you would expect? Es- essentially, yeah. So you could you can measure the amount of energy that you can get from lightning, but also because lightning exists only for literally fractions of a second, sure, um, it's very hard to measure that kind of energy output that you would get. Mm-hmm. So what we sort of have to assume here, or I think the benefit we can give the film 
is that all this really is is it's the starter motor. Mm-hmm. It's an ignition source. Yeah. It's a bit like how you've got some glow plugs in your car, and when you turn them on, they do the first initial spark, and that uses the battery to do it, and then the rest of it's the petrol. Sure. So the plutonium is obviously driving the car. Yeah. It's just to get that little spark to get it started, the lightning bolt is enough. Cool. So we can... A lot of people like to move around this and being impossible, whatever. I think it's we can let them get away with it. I'm totally fine with it. I'm okay with it. Cool. Electricity in the sky? Electricity to make your toy go? Fine. Make your toy the go. plutonium, I would maybe be a bit more weirded out by, <laughs> but electricity, let's do it, boys. Then, obviously, disaster strikes. Nothing can be this simple. Uh, a tree branch falls down and breaks the cable off of the clock tower, so the electricity is not going to go anywhere when it gets there. Doc climbs up the inside of the clock tower and tries to fix it himself, and it's pretty dangerous up there to be honest he's hanging off of the edge and only just manages to plug it back in what i think is interesting here is of course the purpose of this is for marty to get back to the future but if doc died from this lightning strike it would undo the creation of the time machine absolutely yeah it It, never would have happened anyway (laughs) I, i think they kind of gloss over how really pivotal this moment is in terms of the likelihood of the time travel ever being invented but more importantly i like to think this is how Uncle Fester was created, um, <laughs> which of course is the, in my opinion, perfect role uh, that Christopher Lloyd yeah. played. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Doc just manages to plug the cable back in up at the top of the clock house, and as he does so, it pulls the cable out further down. So his solution is to slide down the cable to the ground because he's running out of time. He can see Marty approaching from like down the road, so he slides down the cable and just in time manages to plug the two ends of the cable in as the lightning strikes hits the DeLorean at exactly the right point, and Marty shoots off into the future. Is this the moment where he then, he sees all this happen, and then he does his nice little dance in yes. the quiet street? But but we don't yes. see that dance until, until the second film. Yeah. Iconic shit. Yeah. That dance. Iconic the, shit. The fiery tracks and yeah, the dance. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's great. We transition immediately to 1985, and everything's worked. Marty's back, you can tell, because the Hill Valley Town Square looks fucking shit. And just at that point, the DeLorean cuts out again. And even though Marty's back with time to get to Doc, he can't because the DeLorean's cut out again. Which I think, historically, accurate for the DeLorean. Very (laughs) accurate for the DeLorean. And at that point, the Libyans drive straight past him, heading off to kill Doc, and he knows he's running out of time again. So What he should have done is go back to 1955, fly to Libya... And sort their troubles sort for them. The, sort the issues yeah, out. Sort the issues out, and there would never have been this problem then, in the first place. Exactly. Or rather, fly to Doc five years before, ni- in 1980, and just say, stop working with terrorists. <laughs> I know what you did. Listen, I, I, it doesn't matter if you don't build them the thing. You're still picking up the phone. <laughs> and it's, you know, in, in Ronald Reagan's America, I don't know if you can afford to do that. <laughs> so Marty runs all the way to the Lone Pine Mall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Nice. Lines. That nice. to me is like, as I said, top My of the tri- top of the trivia list, maybe yeah. second on the trivia list yeah, after yeah. Eric Stoltz. Uh, just in time to see Doc pumped full of lead by the Libyans. And who uh, refuse to do headshots. Always annoys the hell out of me in any <laughs> movie where someone like, oh, they get killed and then it turns out, oh no, they're not dead. Sorry yeah. to sorry shoot to spoil. But like just sure. shoot him in the head. <laughs> well, I mean, we do know the inspiration for him wearing this, uh, not to spoil what happens, of course he survives because he's wearing a, a bulletproof vest, which is just a sheet of metal. That, of course, comes from Clint Eastwood sure. in a Western that we see him watching. That's true. Which is inspired by the real-life events of Clint Eastwood in <laughs> Back to the Future 3. <laughs> Three. What? 
uh, where no, every good thing in this movie comes from. <laughs> three times across these three films, we see a man take a metal plate out from under his sure. poncho and is alive because it has deflected bullets for him. Sure, sure, where's sure. it in the second one? It's you see They're it, watching it. Biff's the, watching on it film. on TV in the in the casino. With the two girls in the hot tub. Oh my god, he is! Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, look at that. Just three just is enough for me, so I forgot all of the other ones. Honestly, <laughs> you, if you watch three, you get all the points from one and two. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's well, because well, it's the grand amalgamation yeah. of all the success. Yeah, you you have a good idea, you improve it, and then you have the best idea last. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To the point where you don't arguably ever need to watch one and two yeah. again. In fact, they should just call it Back to yeah. the Future, and then these two should just be relegated. To yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. Else. I would agree with that. I am leaving. <laughs> Marty watches himself vanish in the DeLorean. He runs down to Doc, who is on the floor, presumably dead. And then a second later, Doc just sits straight back up in a kind of Night of the Living Dead moment, which I thought was quite amusing. Really well acted as well. I really liked that <laughs> well moment. He like, he, I believe that he, as an eccentric man, just assumed this would work. I was like, it'll work. And yeah, then when it did... They won't shoot when, me in the neck. When, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when it did work, he just was not surprised and just went, oh. Well, that worked. Okay, on. On we go. It would have been funny if Doc was just in a completely lead suit at this point. <laughs> Head, legs, everything. Doc returns Marty home, and there's this kind of like really nice moment where he's he's very clearly grateful. And he says, I'm going to go 25 years into the future, like I said I was going to at the beginning. And he backs out the driveway, shoots off in the DeLorean, and vanishes out of sight. And the next morning, we see that Marty's entire life has changed around him. This reminded me a little bit of how, in about time, uh, Kit Kat's life has changed around her. Yeah, good point. But Marty isn't aware of anything because he's lived through the kind of events of the movie. His family seem a lot kind of healthier. The house looks nicer. This is where everything's I, magic. This is where I realised his brother is Jimmy Olsen in the Superman films. Oh shit! In like the, yeah, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman films, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. catch it earlier on because he he's dressed up like a like a crappy. When he's got a suit on, right? Like he wears, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he works in the office, the Daily Planet. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Maybe it is that same character. (laughs) Are you saying this is a crossover film (laughs) with Superman? They did. um, Gene Hackman was one of the people considered for Doc Brown. Oh, I could see that. I could see that absolutely. I got a. In my opinion, the list of people considered for Doc Brown wildly more interesting than the people considered for Marty. People considered for Marty. As we said, Eric Stoltz, of course, actually yeah. got it and then it was taken from him. But they, you know, there's loads of name mentioned about you can see it all on the Wikipedia. People like Charlie Sheen, Johnny Depp, kind of yeah. handsome boys in and around yeah. the 80s, Robert Downey Jr., that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But for for Doc Brown, Gene Hackman, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, Jeff <laughs> Goldblum. Goldblum. Wow. Exactly. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, wow, John mate. Cleese. Oh, I could see that. But you can though. totally it's a, see. It's a comic role. Yeah, yeah exactly. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's like the whole Sean Connery being considered for Gandalf thing. I, I honestly it? thought Scott was going to say Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Connery. I <laughs> thought he was going to say that, yeah. A, Great some Scott. of the uh, other weird pulls, Robin Williams as well, which uh, again, uh, yeah. loosely. Maybe, maybe. I think he's too funny. He's too. He would have uh, stolen the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I and it's, it's not Doc's film. No, preci- precisely. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Gene Hackman is yeah. the one that would be the biggest, I think, departure tonally. Yeah, in that, like, it would just all of it, like, I can't remotely imagine Gene Hackman, like, smiling. <laughs> it it, it, it would have been, uh, he would have given off a much creepier vibe than yeah. we get from Doc Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, you, when you heard he was dealing with terrorists, Gene Hackman would have gone, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, dealing yeah, with terrorists. Definitely. Yeah, dealing with there the terrorists. Is, there's an alternate timeline, one of the names I didn't list off for Marty. There yeah. is an alternate timeline where this film is Doc Brown, Gene Hackman, and Ben Stiller as Marty McFly. <gasps> and wow. Wow. My, 
kingdom to watch that film. Yeah, if I was absolutely. like interdimensional cable, it's the first channel I go onto. I want to see that movie. Interdimensional cable, of course, inspired by this film. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And outside in the driveway is Biff polishing up a brand new BMW, and. He's a completely different character now. He's this kind of like do-gooder type character. He still tries to con George, but George shuts him down straight away. A very Grima Wormtongue-esque oh, character. Oh, very much, yeah. Yeah. Very like, much, A yeah. bit slimy, a yeah, bit like very too unpleasant. weak for his own good to do anything. Very much like, um, yes, Lord Megatron yeah. kind of <laughs> vibe. Yeah, from, Starscream, yeah. Exactly. yeah. I was thinking of like Igor from... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. shuffling, bumbling. Yeah. I think as well that Thomas fucking Wilson, that's what the F stands for, um, is... <laughs> I think that Fuckboy Wilson. I think that he, he looks across all three movies. The makeup on him is incredible. Uh, uh, yeah, he absolutely. Forms like he honestly yeah. in every part of his, every role that he is in in these films, he looks and acts great. Yeah, massively old, underrated old... as well. I think because his his acting style in it is when he plays old Biff in part two. I love him as old Biff. I think that's like his best character. But he plays like every age like, of that I, character. Off the top of my head, we get four Biffs. Yeah, old old crap Biff. Old successful Biff, yeah, a young Biff, which is again one of the most remarkable ones because, as we said, he looks yeah. so fifties best. And then Mad Dog, Mad Dog is Mad honestly. Dog. I know yeah, we've yeah, talked yeah. about the films and we're joking. What he is such no. a good character, it's a as great Mad Dog. villain yeah. role. That it really is a really good part for him to play, and he's great in this. I and like I like that you, you didn't mention. Is it Griff the the oh, Griff. future young version? Oh because yeah, because it is God. literally just. Exactly, Biff. And yeah. Completely no difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, Jennifer turns up, and he's like, "Oh, why aren't you Elizabeth Shue? Why aren't you Elizabeth Shue? <laughs> Don't worry, we're gonna. Don't fix worry, this. we'll get there." Um, and at that point, Doc smashes through some trash cans and arrives on the driveway, and he says, "You've both of you have got to come back with me right now. We need to go back to the future. Something is wrong." It's your kids, my. It's your kids, my. Another iconic, yeah. iconic oh moment. God, my it's your kids. <laughs> God, it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> shaking my head like <laughs> and he bundles them both into the DeLorean after kind of like refueling it in this new device with some trash Mr. Fusion. I'm Mr. so Fusion. glad you mentioned this so he yeah. fills it with um, it's like a little coke can right it's beer I think it's a Miller light can so it's like a little bit of a dribble the first draft it. of this the, the DeLorean is fueled with Coca-Cola specifically brand oh, Coca-Cola, which makes all the Pepsi stuff really it, weird. It makes it feel like they wanted to do it and Coke said no, and they went, well, guess what? Pepsi will say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pepsi will do anything we want. <laughs> what was the other film we saw? Oh, it was Poseidon Experience, oh, wasn't that's it? Coke, <laughs> yeah. That's a Coke it, reference, yeah. yeah. Um, he refuels the DeLorean, gets them all inside, and Marty says, you're going to have to back up. We're not, we've not got enough room to get up to 88 miles an hour here. And Doc says, the, I think the most iconic line from the entire film, roads, where we're going, we don't need We don't roads. need roads. And the DeLorean... So he's obviously going to pre-Rome, because... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what? Seven year seven, Scott Hamza would be so proud of that joke. Yeah, <laughs> I used you know to what? Love the you should be proud of that joke <laughs> Thank now. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, I am. And at that point, my mind was blown as a child. The DeLorean takes flight and lifts off of the ground and straight into the camera as another Huey Lewis and the News song blasts us. And Iconic that shit. Is the end of part one of Back to the Future. That is the end to a movie that a lot of people consider to be perfect, end to end. That's not to say that we don't. You're looking at one of those people (laughs) right now. 
I never before we we did this in about time and, and time traveler's wife where we just immediately moved into the next film. That was uh, uh, for sake of comparison, but this for sake of narrative, we should immediately begin number the, two. There, there is literally no break. The the only difference between the end of this film and the start of the next film is Elizabeth Shue. That's yeah, it. The I rest know. of it is is essentially word for word identical. Which is bold. I can. There's so many movies in so many worlds, so many TV shows where they recast and they just say it's fine. The, we'll just put it on the audience to understand it's yeah. the same character, but whatever. They went to the hassle of refilming that scene yeah. and putting it at the beginning of BTTF2. Yeah. So the scene, the opening scene of Back to the Future Part 2 is pretty much exactly the same, but for one change. Biff sees the DeLorean vanish into the sky with leaving two fire trails behind it. And understandably, he's confused as fuck. And that's like a thing that this movie trades in a yeah. lot. The sell of this, uh, a lot of this movie is just, hey guys, you're going to see one from another angle. You're yeah. going to see elements of one with, oh, but you didn't know when we showed you one because of this camera angle that actually Biff was just stood two meters to the right and he yeah. totally saw it. The DeLorean reappears in this time, 2015, which is wild now considering that we are now in 2023 and none of the cars are flying. I'm disappointed by it. And honestly, something that I was genuinely quite surprised about because I challenge a lot of people to remember Back to the Future 2 and to remember anything about the future stuff because so much of Back to the Future 2, like yeah. the point of it, realistically, and the, the main takeaway as far as the trilogy is concerned is is the old Biff thing. And yeah, going it's back just to, to set up yeah. the old Biff thing. That's the basically icon the of point. this film is the almanac. We've mentioned Absolutely. it in previous podcasts as well, Biff's almanac. Um, and so like, yeah, I was sat there going like, oh, yeah. I remember in 2015, I think maybe Nike released his shoes as special shoes yes, you they can did. get. His, yeah, his yeah, trainers. Yeah. The, and, yeah. and, and there was a company that had a hoverboard that didn't actually work yeah. like a hoverboard, but was, you know, close um, enough. And... A lot of those things were like part of the work to do with the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson. So they did a lot of like fundraising stuff around those products as well. Oh, so that's fantastic. It's like a yeah, really yeah. cool thing. I know that I know definitely auctioned off a hoverboard that pretty much worked how not quite the same but it did work and also the shoes worked as well they did that kind of whole big drive about it for for the foundation if, you, so. if you've got the window to do it you'd be Absolutely. insane not to do it and if you don't do it the second 2016 rolls around you're like fuck we can never get that back no. do you remember there was like a spate of fake kind of internet internet hoaxes of being like Today is the day that Marty McFly came to the future. Yeah. Like, for like two or three years, it was yeah. that. And so someone set up a website that was just, is, I think this is even the address was, is today the day that Marty McFly went to <laughs> in the future? Wow. And it just had yes or no on the screen. And of course it was no for every date, except for that date where it turns to yes, <laughs> well, and now will be no forever. The internet's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so anyway, we see Hill Valley in the future, and it's exactly as you imagine. It's super super high, futuristic sort of like imagery. Everything looks glitzy and glamoury, and Hill Valley's been taken care of. The, and the fashion thing is, uh, he mentions like dress up. In the future, everyone wears their clothes inside out. Yeah, so they're... You walk yeah. down Oxford Street right now, you will see tons of kids walking around with just jeans with their pockets out. Really? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very, mad. very prescient. I mean, oh, like, weird. young, popular fashion guy. I am not yeah. in any way, shape or form. But, um, but yeah, still quite a prescient moment. And, and Doc says to Marty, look, it's a problem with your kids we've got to sort out. Your, your son does something that's really bad to do with Biff's grandson, Griff. And today is the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, are we going to move you on? You mentioned Griff earlier on. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, Griff. When you say Biff's, Biff's grandson, grandson Griff. Griff. Yeah, so... 
it's his grandson, G-R, Gruh, and son. Yeah. So they've just named Biff Gruh if. It's the Gruh. Yeah. It's also, I mean, if you think we're talking about Mad Dog, Mad Dog's name is Buford Tannen. They've just named Biff after Buford. He, it's like they just, every yeah. grandfather, That's they just great point. drop the name down. Because I was yeah. going to ask, what, what the, where the fuck does the name Biff come from? Like, is it, yeah. is it Bifford is, yeah, okay, as opposed Bifford, to like yeah. Biffson or... Yeah. Yeah. Biffson. <laughs> what do we call Ren and Stimpy? Stimpson J. Cats. It would be but, Biffson J. Cats. They have Jaws 19 as like a joke yeah. on their thing. But... They legitimately could do that with now Fast and the Furious. I was it could say, be yeah. a it's not car that far fetched, right? Coming out of the screen, Fast and the Furious. What yeah. are we on now? Uh, at ten point one, technically, like because ten is going to Harry Potter, where they're going to split up ten yeah. into two. But then oh, there will be God, eleven. Ten point one, yeah, not yeah, yeah. including the spin-offs, because there's at least two spin-offs, is there not? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. I think one spin-off. Then is it just, just Hobbs one? And yeah. Shaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's going to be twelve soon. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. crazy. It's not far off the nineteen. One for every month of the year. Yeah. So obviously, Doc's plan to kind of intercept Marty Jr., who is Marty's son in the future in this timeline, uh, goes horribly wrong because Marty Jr. turns up halfway through it. Doc was trying to distract him with something. It all goes horribly wrong, and just and Marty it's Jr. appears. It's a much harder sell for me to think it think it's like as cool when you show me our Marty and his grandson yeah and they're just the same guy uh, yes. I, they they really struggle i think to show you that difference what they end up settling on is that future that marty's grandson uh, what's his name i forget marty, marty jr <laughs> he's not even marty jr though he's the no, grandson. No, he is the son oh, he's marty's oh, sorry, son no, he's I'm marty's wrong. son yeah yeah, yeah. so he's grandson. marty jr no, no, sorry, yeah. no, I'm, I'm thinking of um uh, uh griff uh yeah <laughs> Um, so it's his son they end up settling on the differentiator being that his son just doesn't know how to wear clothes uh, and his voice breaks yeah, yeah. A little, and he's yeah. just a wimp that's how they differentiate it's it a, you know? it's, it is a struggle um, uh, you mentioned the wimp thing um, yeah part of the reason why Back to the Future 3 is the best one is it's because the, uh, it's the only film that deals with he finally learns not to let that being called a chicken yeah. thing get yeah. to him. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to lie, as someone who watched three first and, and is happy he did, um, they settle it in that so that in one and two, when you see just how routinely it's like, yeah. no one calls me chicken, after like the fourth time, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, just, just he learn. He's such a dickhead. He has just to learn. save himself just before he can save everybody yeah. else I know, at this yeah, point. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Uh, I think as well, just before you got here, Adam, mm. when Scott and I were having a little alone time together, oh. Scott mentioned something about this film that I hadn't really considered, which is that Doc in all the other films talks about you can't change the future. You shouldn't change things. This film, he specifically says, oh, we're going to the future to change something that happens to your son in the future, mm. which is a bit weird. But also, why would they need to go to the future for that? Why doesn't he just say, Marty, in the future, your kids are going to be tearaways and get themselves into trouble doing this. We should discipline them now. We, well, not even oh. that. Just we know that in, well, I don't know how many years time it's going to happen. Just be a better dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. in fact, we know that in the first film, you left me a letter 30 years in the past. And that caused me to have the future side yeah. to put on some uh, metal protective stuff. So mm. I didn't get shot. Fantastic. Thank you. Mm. I haven't learnt from that technique, apparently, though, because when I see you in 85, I don't give you a letter or even just tell you to your face, hey, your kids, are, your child is going to turn out to be a prick oh, and yeah. don't let him be. Don't yeah. worry, though, Scott. He does learn from that in the third film when he leaves him a note for yeah. the second film to tell him <laughs> that the third film is coming and how to solve the problem. Yeah. Big choo-choo come. <laughs> get, get put yeah. car in front choo -choo. of choo-choo. You leave, trains. you'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, I... I 
I'm not going to lie, the first half of this film and all of the future stuff they're in didn't really do it for me on the basis that I don't think they paid attention to their own logic. Fair, okay. You know, of like, you don't need to go to the future. It just sounds, it sounds really silly on the tin. Maybe not, yeah. maybe to us because we're like doused in time travel constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe to a normal person just watching this film, it would never have been an issue. It definitely wasn't to me five years ago or six years ago. But now I just, I'm watching it and I just think to myself, guys, you had the first one tied up really well. You knew what was going on constantly. Yeah. And in this first one, you've opened the film. Granted, you ended the second one, the first one this way. So you yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. messed around. Right? But you've opened the movie with something that fundamentally you just don't need to do, let alone I don't care about it or anything like that. It's like, yeah, your kids are a mess in the future. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, but I'm not, you know, criticizing. I still back to the future film for the love of God. It's still a great yeah. time, but it just felt a bit like it, when you look at all three, you can just omit the first half of two, and I don't know if it makes that much of a difference. Yeah, other than I think you're you need right. a reason for old Biff. That's the only reason they go yeah. to 2015 is because they want that Biff. Yeah. But if you found a way to get that Biff without having to bother yeah. with all of the kid stuff, then what if they just said if he just comes back at the end of one? And he says, like, Marty. He doesn't have to say, like, it's your kids, Marty. He, he mm. just says, like, just want to go hang out in the future for a bit. You've earned yeah. it. After that shit we had to deal with in 55. Yeah, I, I, I've finally done the experiment. It works. I've, I've managed to perfect it. Come to the future with me and check it out. Let's go. Oh. I, I was going to go by and myself, it, but, like, you're now my bro, Marty. Let's do this. And then, and then Marty just finds the almanac exactly the same way and does and exactly the, the same yeah. thing. And then, yeah, 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 yeah it yeah. does make sense. Yeah, yeah. I really think that we, should, we could have done Back to the Future better. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be even, into it. Even before all that, when Biff sees the, the DeLorean disappear, you could have just made that scene be Biff is investigating the DeLorean parked up by Doc and is, yeah, absolutely. And is being his usual sneaky self and Doc accidentally takes him to the future mm. yeah, and comes back to say, Marty, you're going to have to help us because of... And then yeah. it's the whole plot. Or you yeah. open the film in 2015 with a Biff who finds the DeLorean or spots the DeLorean yeah. and it's like, I remember that from, yeah. 30, years from 30 years ago. years ago. And just, and then, but maybe the film wouldn't even be that long to be honest because this film, yeah, it's like eight first, minutes. Thing, first thing I noticed, <laughs> yeah. one and three, two hour films. This yeah. one, granted it's still like one hour 47 but it's, yeah. it's a couple minutes shy but it feels shorter it feels yeah. like it feels like um, two halves of movies. Especially because it ties in so much with the first film. It feels like an addendum to that. And then it ties in so much with the third film, it feels like a precursor to that. It really suffers from the middle film problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. And it also feels a bit like they weren't going to make a second one. Because that whole sequence at the end, Marty returns back at the end of the first one, and everything's fine and dandy, and then he gets his 4 by 4 That's where it could have ended. You might never have seen Doc again. That would have made sense. I feel like Universal said, we need more of these, because this has been very successful. So can you come yeah. up with some more? And, and they like probably went, year, yeah, years, we can... Four years down the line. Yeah. Like, oh, well... It's been four years. Back to the Future 1 was incredible. Yeah. Can we do another one? Yeah. Oh, no, let's not just do another one. Let's do another two. Yeah. Film, film fact that I'm yeah. pretty sure everyone knows, two and three were filmed back, back to, to back. Back to back, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it makes perfect sense when you've watched them all in a line. You go, oh, well, yeah, this is this is almost a trailer for three. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, not to, not to spoil the end of this film, the last six minutes of two are a oh, trailer for three, which yeah. I've never seen in a movie Yeah, before. yeah, it's weird. It's not after the credits. Yeah. It's not like a little attack. No, it is just, in, you'd be sat in the cinema and you're like, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, great. You, oh no, you're not just going to say Back to the Future will be back. You're going to show me the movie you've made, which granted, I imagine in 1989 was like, oh wow, they've already filmed it. Yeah. I'm definitely maybe more invested. Yeah, you know? it, was, yeah. it was so weird. When I saw that going on, I was like, 
I would I googled it to check if that was just the version I was watching, nope, and I was like, oh just, no, this is just the all standard. of the films. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So anyway, we get another repeat of the kind of chase sequence around the round the kind of town square. This time with hoverboards, which is obviously cooler. Obviously, hoverboards cool, absolutely fantastic. Um, and they do manage accidentally to correct the timeline. So uh, Biff and his cronies crash into the courthouse, which means that they'll never go ahead with this crime that is going to put Marty Junior in prison, which is what the kind of whole reason for that's fine. To be I'm just I'm just not invested. I, I don't know. Like, it's it's not really relevant. It's one of those. They things. do the whole they do excuse. the whole thing with the newspaper changing, and it just doesn't feel right because yeah. it's moving forward. It's yeah. in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, Marty thinks to himself, "Well, what if I use that sports almanac that I saw earlier?" And I take that back in time with me, and then I make myself super rich from it. This is a discussion that we've had with a bunch of time travel films. Aaron and Abe. Aaron and Abe, straight away. I can make money from this. This yeah. is what we can do. Me and Doc could be like super, super rich, and you know, it'll be great. Real world, there is no chance in hell it works because the gambling companies, like Big Gamble, would second, shut you yeah. down. The oh, FBI would be all so over quickly. you within three bets. You, you might you done. might get it once. You might get it once. You, you might get it a couple of times. But any, after that, they make out that Biff does this for his like whole adult life. That's yeah. how he becomes so... And it's famous that he ends up in newspapers and nobody investigates it. Yeah, yeah. With the almanac sticking out of his pocket. And, and it does, it kind yeah. of makes, it makes a mockery of chain of events it makes a mockery of butterfly effect kind of thing of like listen i get that like one of these sports events might go well and he bets on it and there's but the second that there's like say say he bets on a horse race and there's this uh uh uh, he bets on someone who's never going to win in a chance of hell 100 to 1 he bets on it he he wins amazing the news headline that didn't exist prior of this guy made a million dollars betting on that horse would surely affect that horse's performance in the future in some regard because of expectation so i've not watched the show in a long time but i'm remembering there's a a few scenes in i think the show was travelers which is another time travel show Mm. uh, to do with people who have been sent back to fix problems for the future and they have this kind of idea of they will win money from betting on things but they mention exactly what you're talking about where the the more they do and the further away they get from when they started the bets the where the things change so that no longer does the horse end in first it ends in second or something mm. along those lines which means that they only have a limited window in which they can make these bets to make yeah. their money yeah, yeah yeah which i think is a really interesting way of doing it and makes mm. a lot of sense and in the way that it's done in this film almost makes it feel like a parody of the first film like they went we're going to make our own version of time travel with blackjack and hook and then instead it ends up being like just a slightly weird version of their yeah, own yeah. film yeah there's a lot in that first film about yeah. like marty don't mess up 55 these things need to happen and, and you know with the with the photograph and the disappearing people and so like you know uh, it's not enough that you set your mum and dad up you also need to make sure the band plays and it's not enough that the band plays they also need to kiss and it's not enough that they kiss you yeah. also need to a b and c and so the the almanac thing while i love it as a as an idea mm. you know there's no in in at least british society over the course of the last 33 years i've been alive we don't have almanacs we don't know almanacs we don't care about almanacs the only reason why you know this word is because of back to the future too absolutely because it's such a potent idea Uh, that and there's a song by the kinks that has the word almanac in and it's the only other time (laughs) i've heard that word and gone oh i know what that word means 
as a young child, no lie, I got confused between almanac and anorak, and so I an almanac, which is a, <laughs> a type of booze, I believe. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, Doc finds out what Marty's planning on doing. He's like, "You can't do that, Marty," and throws the almanac in the trash. And then the pair of them leave to go and collect Jennifer, who they've left in an alleyway. We forgot to mention that a bit earlier, but she's fine. Don't worry, she's just asleep. Elizabeth um, Shue is, is a capable yeah, woman. She is, yeah. Um, and old Biff overhears this and realises, I'm going to do that exact plan. So he follows them to a, a, a street, just a kind of suburbs, where Marty's family now lives in the future. It's not Lion Estates. I've forgotten if it's... It's not Lion Estates. I think Estate, it's Hilldale, it? it's called oh, okay. now. So it's like, a, yeah, it's sure. like a more upmarket estate. They're building it in 1985, which is something that Martin oh, mentions okay. yeah, at yeah, yeah, point. Yeah. Um, and they go to retrieve Jennifer. She's been taken home by the police. And at this point, I'm not going to go into the kind of... All the stuff that happens in the McFly's house, but you get this kind of very brief thing where you see how marty sorry what where you see how marty would look if he was a woman <laughs> where you yes. see how michael yeah, yeah, yeah. j fox would michael look if j. Fox. he was a weirdly attractive woman not unattractive i he i he carries that off well i like it have you seen um have you seen the trailers for that uh film megan oh yeah <laughs> yeah he looks yeah. a little bit like megan there's yeah, something yeah, yeah. weirdly like carry yeah. about him yeah. I, mm. and we should also mention here that george mcfly in this film is not played by crispin glover I was one, so I'm amazed. That, I like, can't believe it's not. Uh, granted, in two, the only memory I have of seeing Chris, his dad, is yeah. upside down, in hanging from that yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In excessive prosthetics. So, granted, who was I to know? Yeah. You know, I just should have probably paid attention to like the the, the credits mean, at the end. That is super clever. They hang him upside down because you're less likely to yeah, it works. be able to read somebody's face if they're upside down. It's like a psychological thing, I guess. You're, how uh, what we're like forty, almost forty years removed yeah. from this film, and it's still working on me. Oh, it's it's <laughs> yeah. like have you seen those pictures they do of they'll have like Margaret Thatcher, but they'll put her mouth in a frown and her eyes upside down. Yeah, but then turn her head upside down. And you can't tell that it's wrong. You look at it and go, yeah. that's a normal picture. How weird. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I saw something recently that was just like, humans are un- uh, incapable of perceiving certain yeah. things when it's upside down. And like, I am here to say, gentlemen, yeah, hun- Crispin. <laughs> I mean, the fa- faces are so important for kind of like human recognition. It's that whole thing about um, you. any person you see in a dream, you have seen that person before because your, your mind can't, generate new faces. generate new faces yeah, yeah. the worst crazy. that you can do is it can kind of put two or three faces together and you go why does this guy look that person's not right <laughs> why, does, why does adam all of a sudden look like he's mixed with scott <laughs> but you know in That's your head that looks like adam mixed with scott um but there's loads of stuff that happens at the family's house and uh, jennifer accidentally as she's leaving doc comes and saves her bumps into herself and passes out while this is all happening, Marty is sat in the DeLorean, but he gets distracted and goes and follows, a, I think, a, a, like an automated dog walking device down the road. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. And in that period, old Biff gets in the DeLorean with no knowledge of how it works and manages to go back in time in it. Right. I'm putting a pin in something here. They now stop existing. Yeah, exactly. That I, that was the first thing I wrote right. down. The second he goes back, they should start fading. Yeah, and all of all that the, stops happening. Yeah, you're right. Should, the whole yeah, thing yeah. should just... It should all change around them, and there should be no 
understanding, no, no realisation. They're like, oh, we're going to pedal. They yeah, should not be able to move forward it, in time. In but fact, they even mention it later because Doc says, you know, like if they were to go forward from that bad 1985, it would be the future of that 1985. So you are right. It falls apart quick. Or they're establishing that the timelines that you create or the, uh, or the timelines you leave rather still exist. Yeah. So he's created a branching reality, yeah. but the A reality still exists, which is just a wild thing to to put onto us and expect us not to then turn around to the first film and be like, well, then why were you so fucking... <laughs> <laughs> why were you so pissed off in the first film? Yeah. It, it's worse than that, though, because in the first film, he leaves 1955, having done some changes, and arrives in a new 1985. Biff leaves 1955, having just dropped up an almanac that changes the world... And still ends up back in their version of 2015, his original one. He doesn't just hand in the almanac and then evaporate, which is what should happen. Mm. And why, if he knows that he has the only time machine in existence, does he bother coming back to 2015? Why doesn't he just arrive, give young Biff the almanac, smash the shit out of the DeLorean, (laughs) and then guarantee that future for himself forever. Biff doesn't ever strike you across the first film and what little of the second film we've seen thus far as someone who is capable of the lofty thought process of realising, I've got this almanac, I'm going to go give it to my past self, and then I'm going to just come back to 2015, safe in the knowledge that when I arrive back here, my life will have been transformed and everything will be great. Because I, A, implicitly trust my younger self, which doesn't shake out because he treats his younger self like the idiot that he is when he goes back. I did really enjoy that, though. It's true, yeah, I like the dynamic. (laughs) And again, a really nice to see in 19... 80, uh, uh, 89 what they're capable of doing with two cameras oh, yeah. and making yeah. it all work and it happens a lot you know it's, it's something that they're obviously very into is doing that sort of like camera trickery thing but it's still just like i don't know the there is you mentioned it, adam he gets in he totally knows how to use the delorean it's that is the beginning of an entire scenario that is a little bit wonky yeah well it's a lot wonky and i've, I've kind of never thought about it before because i i think i let my love for these films kind of get in the way sometimes but like two is very clearly the one that it, it starts to go wrong and you had perfection i have in to say three, it yeah it's so good the first one and looking at it now in this sort of like perspective it breaks quickly i wanted to ask as well just really quickly because i don't want to forget in the in the chat they have at dinner before this the family marty's yes. marty's uh, future family uh his mother and his father upside down come over for dinner and his mother mentions that the reason part of the reason why he's a miserable non-rock star is because yeah. he broke his hand in an accident with a bent yeah, car accident. Oh, is yeah. it a Rolls Royce? Rolls Royce, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is that, and this might just be me not understanding something, is that the accident he dodges at the end of three? Yes, yes. it is. Great. Okay. Because he's learned, as you keep saying with the third one, not to let the chicken thing get to him. Do we think that a year later, you've watched two in the cinema, great. You've not been paying like incredible attention because you're not doing a podcast about time travel films. You're just a normal audience member in 1989. You've gone, you've watched two. A year later, you've gone and you've watched three. And at the right at the end of three, there's this moment with the accident. Are you going to remember that line of dialogue from two? So they For it to value. In three, they really even over-egg it. And he's like, they even say like, oh, look, you would have hit that Rolls Royce. Like to bring it up. Yeah. But I, even having watched all three three films back to back, went, oh, oh, that's 
That's the accident mm. they keep referencing. Like, and it was only because I just watched it. There is no chance I would have. It's, I would have known. It's that's like, a trilogy ender. Yeah. It's not even a film yeah, ender. Yeah. It's a trilogy ender, yeah. and it just feels like okay. I would have been totally in if you maybe just made a little bit more of not the fact that they, there is a, a, a not much made about the fact that he's damaged his hand, but at least we know that he's damaged his hand. He's not a rock star. He's miserable. He's living a crappy life. Mm. And then we get the scene with him trying to play guitar and not doing it well. So I get. I'm. I know about the hand, but. It's one line of dialogue his mum says is just like, yeah. oh yeah, thirty years ago he had this, he had a car accident. Well, am well, I going to remember that uh, yeah, two movies involved, later? Which involved needles. So yeah. why would you then work with this guy who ruined your life? If your life is this crap, why does he then go, yeah. oh needles? Yeah, I mean it's his fault because I was in that car wreck. Uh, whatever. It's yeah. I just, I just, I would love to talk to someone who was like my age, roughly, at in the eighties, and say, did you? Did you grab hold of that? And I really would bet that not a lot of people yeah. did. But yeah. I'm not criticizing because it is nice. We love this kind of thing. We love payoffs and payoffs over the course of two films that far apart. Yeah. This is the kind of niche, niche little culty stuff that makes people fall in love with movies to a deeper extent than, you know, just normal movies that don't do these things. I get it. I'm not against it. But I in just, as I said, almost 40 years removed, I just wonder, like... How powerful is that punch? Mm. And did, did you maybe fudge it a little bit? Yeah. Listeners, if you noticed, please let us know. Um, and yeah. we will t- accuse you of being liars. <laughs> <laughs> so Marty and Doc get Jennifer back in the DeLorean and they go back to 1985. And they drop Jennifer off at her house. There's a lot of just dropping a sleeping Jennifer yeah, off. Yeah, just leave her. Like, she'll, she'll, she'll be fine. fine. <laughs> I mean, it's quite it's Doc every time as well. Doc's like, no, she'll be fine <laughs> on this trash. He's in love with Marty. With and he weird, doesn't want Jennifer involved. Go to sleep device. <laughs> uh, yeah, he planned that throughout. He's like, if Jennifer's fucking involved, I'm putting her to sleep <laughs> so I get Marty yeah. for myself. It's quite funny how, from her perspective, she's like uh, living a normal life. Then one day Marty's just acting a bit weird because was, from his perspective, everything's changed. Then she has this horrifying nightmare of herself old and wrinkly and then wakes up on her porch. Yeah. And is like, what okay. the fuck? And he now has a lovely car. Yeah. And, yeah. and then end of the third, third film, she's like, oh shit, there was time travel all along. <laughs> uh, Marty realizes when they drop Jennifer off on the porch that there are bars on her windows. And he's like, I'm pretty sure there weren't bars here before. A to B. Nice, a to nice B. little yeah, B nice, to A. Nice. Yeah. Doc drops Marty back off at his house and goes off. Doc, Doc leaves him there. Um, Marty goes into the house and there is another family living in his house. Something has gone horribly wrong. So he escapes narrowly and uh, makes his way off into Hill Valley. And he makes his way down the street to a house and finds a newspaper. And it is the correct date on the newspaper. It is 1985. Something's just wrong. And then the principal appears behind him with a shotgun and threatens Marty. And Marty says, I- I'm-, I'm one of your students. And he says, the school burned down six years ago. What, what are you on about? Which, by the way... Just because the school burns down, the kids still go to a school. They go to a different school somewhere. Like, no, kids, I, don't I understand. Understand. kids don't go to school now. That's, I understand that's it's supposed to be a bit dystopian because <laughs> Biff made some money. Yeah. But if he's becoming so rich that he's bankrupting every single uh, betting agency out there, yeah. that doesn't destroy the country. If anything, it probably improves the country. Imagine if it's the betting agency is responsible for the school system. Well, I'm assuming that no one from that school graduated to become a sports star to compete in any of the matches he bet on. Because now that the school burnt down, uh, that's not going to happen. But your bets are all still kosher, aren't they? It's all to, crumbling, to isn't it? Fair, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> he does invest in oil futures. 
like does he, he? I he didn't had, catch that. Like Biffco, when he said, "Oh, Biffco, yeah, oil, like, yeah, it, 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 I, right. oh, yeah." He's into. I heard wait. He's into like waste, which is like yeah, waste, he's a shit yeah, bag. So waste of course he's into shit. And, yeah. yeah, but like he's he invests his money quite like sort of. I suppose you'd say sensibly. But again, all in companies that would surely be improving that local area, not turning it more and more dystopian. I mean, we can dance around it all we want. He's Donald Trump. That's what this is about. It is very Trumpy. It's it is basically very Trumpy. His is, casino you know. is very Biff, Trump Tower. Yeah, Biff, yeah, Biff Towers the, the, and even whatever. Even the, the blonde comb yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. I get it. He buys the police. Yeah. yeah. But like you say, Marty narrowly avoids being killed in a drive-by shooting and makes his way to the town square and the courthouse itself has been converted into this like 72 floor casino and there's just biker gangs everywhere and the place looks like utter shit it's absolutely awful which i it kind of took me away from it in it i mean it kind of took me away of course it's a (laughs) complete work of fiction so none of it's real um (laughs) if you are that rich to the extent where that news clip has been like, Biff, man of the hour. Oh, my God. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You don't still live there, number one, at all. You live in, in Malibu. You live in yeah. you know, Switzerland. You live in yada, yada, yada. And then on, to, and on top of it, you don't live there because it's obviously a shithole. Yeah. It's very obviously a shithole. So to what extent have you made it? It just, I don't know. It, he looks like someone who has maybe like 300 grand in the bank, not the 300 million that the movie purports. Yeah. He looks more like... Uh, a character that you'd see in Shameless, who's the rich one in yeah. Shameless. That's what he looks That's a good like. Point. Yeah, yeah. Not like an actual genuine, we yeah. assume billionaire. It's yeah. got like a crushed velour suit on, and like, yeah, it's that really like false kind of like money thing. Isn't it's it? a little bit Monty Burns ish, to be honest. Oh, yeah. If you think about it, like yeah, Monty yeah. Burns, super rich, but still lives in Springfield. Yeah. So Marty gets captured by three goons and obviously it's the same three goons again Biff's henchman Biff's henchman <laughs> uh, he gets knocked out and taken upstairs into the casino um, at this point he kind of wakes up and we get another repeat of the mum waking up scene but this time there are two massive differences <laughs> <laughs> We all saw it, right? Staring him him right in the face. (laughs) Yeah. And he wakes up and Marty makes a joke about it. You know, you're so big. (laughs) You know, I wasn't prepared for this. He's staring at her chest (laughs) to the point where it's like, Jesus Christ, man, you're the one offending in this moment, (laughs) not her. Uh, And at that point, Biff walks through the door and he's like, why aren't you at boarding school, you little shit? It was obviously like the timeline is completely different here. And Lorraine tries to fight him a little bit, but he very quickly shuts her down and says, I'll cut off all your kids. I won't give them any money anymore. That's it. No more credit cards for them. Is, are we to believe that the Marty of this timeline is actually in Switzerland? And so that's why... That's why he doesn't interrupt himself. That's why, our, uh, yes. why he doesn't hope so. himself. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. looks a lot fucking nicer than Hope Valley does, so I hope he is. And at that point, it might starts asking loads of questions of Lorraine. And he says, where's... where's Dad, where's George McFly? Where's Crispin Glover? Where's Crispin Glover? <laughs> and nobody Who's knows that where man Crispin Glover that is. I saw earlier on. He's not Crispin Glover. And it turns out George McFly has been murdered in this timeline many, many years before, like like nine, nine or ten years before. And Lorraine says he's buried in Oak Park Cemetery, and that's where Marty then immediately goes to. And he finds the grave of George McFly and is distraught. Doc turns up with the DeLorean and he says, Um, this is all true, Marty. We something's gone horribly wrong. We need to sort something out here. So let's go back to my garage, and <laughs> which is unchanged, really. In kind terms of, of yeah. Like, it's obviously Doc has continued in this timeline his life as normal. Yeah, which seems very unlike Doc. Yeah, it seems like what he would have done in the reality of the situation is gone. Something is wrong. There is no way yeah. 
that Biff is... Because this guy's a genius. Mm. If he sees somebody winning this much on gambling, he's going, <laughs> nah, nah, yeah. nah. What happened yeah. here? Something's gone, something's gone wrong. I need to, uh, he'd probably go, I need to immediately fix something. I need to go back in time and find out what's going on here. Yeah. He, he did least... with Marty's kids. Yeah, well, he can, so... he can at least take five minutes away from his chats with terrorists to try <laughs> to solve an issue. Yeah. So Doc's been at the public library and he's been getting loads of newspaper articles and whatever to try and work out what's been going on. And it's at this point we get a time travel diagram, which I think is Thank really you. excellent. Yeah. I like this time travel diagram. It is very good. I was happy to see it. I was The second I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, there isn't one in number one, even though mm. you totally think there should slash would be. And yet you don't need one in one because they're that good about telling you the story just yes. verbally that, you know, it's all it's all fine. But I get it was a little bit annoyed that like this is just a me thing if you've got uh, a timeline the next one you don't name 10 a no. you, you know uh, i think you know 1985 1985 a i want it to be 1985 a and 1985 b I, um, I think the reason they do that is because a lot of the people who are involved in this are involved in the star trek films and that's how they name the next ship along oh, so really? the, the og is ncc 1701 the enterprise yeah and the next one along is the enterprise a Oh, okay. So it's kind of, yeah, but, yeah. but I know what I'm you mean. A, I, mean so, I yeah. agree. I think an A and B timeline is a much easier way for people to understand that this is the first and this is the second, rather than this is zero and this is one. Do you know it, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, yeah I, don't I mean, it's a really nitpicky thing. Yeah. At no, the end but, of the day, that what they're trying to explain to me, I totally got. As did hmm. almost everyone who would have seen this. So. Interestingly, some of what he's saying kind of alludes to it not just being a, a timeline difference, but a sort of a, a different universe that's mm. been created, like a kind of alternate universe-esque. Yeah. Which begs the question of, in this reality, with Doc being as smart as he's to invent time travel, there could be a future where he's like, well, I just want to hop to a different reality and see the difference there. And so then shows like, again, we mentioned it earlier, Rick and Morty, really do kind of take on that the next level of what this film would do like you couldn't do more time travel because it's we've done time travel to death here but what if his his train that he drives now is a universe hopping train Mm. part of me in this moment thought to myself well it kind of lends credence a little bit to the fact that marty and doc don't disappear in the future when biff goes back in time if they'd labored the fact that it's a branching universe rather than a branching timeline because you would think to yourself well they would carry on if biff has created another sort of universe almost but they don't yeah which i get yeah they don't push it enough because it's about time travel it's not about universe travel but it seems more like parallel universe travel than it does time travel at this point well it's a bit like we had in i'll follow you down where uh titanic grandpa draws the lines and Mm. says you know there are there he almost like posits that there are many different timelines and that you kind of you when you go backwards you move into another one potentially and then never picks up on it it's never picked up on again in the film it's just a a kind of a bad diagram and i'm not saying this is a bad diagram but yeah it it reinforces the idea that essentially it just mildly degrades the, the idea of the first film yes exactly yeah it does the idea of the first one is unified timeline yep. theory i don't know if that's an actual term or if i've just like invented it, it but like it's, it's like a it's like a one singular timeline theory and then uh this one is just like no it's not that it's just other. and then three comes along and it's like it no it was no it was we were it wrong is how it was in one <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, we're going back to the photograph just, yeah yeah just with the space train now yeah. so doc tells marty you have to go and find out where, when, and how this happened. We know it's old Biff because I found the top of Biff's cane and the receipt for the almanac in the DeLorean when we came back to 1985. Go and ask Biff directly how it happened. 
So Marty does that. He goes back to the casino and Biff just tells him. To which Biff says, yes, Marty, I will tell you everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll tell Now, granted, the scene pays off why he tells him everything because he thinks yeah. he's about to kill him. So, yeah, sure. But it is a little bit like... Um, Bad guy monologue. It's, it's a Bond <laughs> film yeah. monologue. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, is. it really is. Totally. Exactly. Is it pre this or no? I think it's just before this when he's in the jacuzzi with the two. Yes, and he's it watching is, yeah. a Clint Eastwood film. Oh, that's the thing you mentioned yeah. earlier yeah. on. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the bit. See, I got that he was. Yeah. Oh, you know what's happened? I've seen he's watching a Clint Eastwood film, and I've started making the note, and I've missed the the. <laughs> I've missed the, the, the chest plate. Bit. Bit. Yeah, 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 because of the. I was like, oh, yeah. Clint Eastwood. That's my guy. <laughs> Biff draws a revolver on Marty and says. I was told that if if anybody ever turned up asking about the almanac, I had to deal with them then and there. And it would probably be a crazy white-haired scientist or a young kid. Oh, did he say weird kid or something? Uh, like, he definitely gives... A weird kid and a doctor or something. Weird, weird kid, kid and a man. Yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. So um, I've, I've got to kill him, basically. So Marty just narrowly manages to escape to the roof of the casino. And when he gets up there, Biff reveals that this is the gun that also killed Marty's father, George McFly. Marty... Then jumps off of the roof of the casino. My favourite moment across <laughs> all three films. Oh, really? I fucking love yeah. the bit. I think when he floats up, stood on the car with his arms folded, the guy looks gangster as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He looks so cool in yeah. that, like, end the movie. Yeah. End the movie. <laughs> he comes it. up, he just looks a bit, gives him the finger, says, fuck you, old man, and just zooms off. End the film. I was... I. Still to this day, it's like a big fuck yeah moment for me because he looks so cool and the car looks infinitely more cooler than it does in the first one. The flying DeLorean, oh yes, chef's kiss. Yeah. Doc opens the door of the DeLorean and knocks Biff out and the pair of them escape basically and Marty says, you're not going to believe it but we've got to go back to 1955. And... They zip off. We've got to go back to the past. Back to the which past. Which is what they should have renamed this film. Back to, back the, to past. the future. Back, back to the past. Back to the old west. <laughs> <laughs> so they vanish into the air and go back to 1955. And they arrive and Doc can't and believe if we're, it. Sorry to cut you off, Adam. Mm. And if we're to believe that that timeline will still continue, yeah. that Biff still is just a monster. Oh, to yeah. his mother and to his other two th- and to yeah. Marty in Switzerland. Probably now worse to Marty Probably in Switzerland worse. as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to fly to Switzerland to off Marty. Because he's going to say, you're a threat. (laughs) Absolutely. Doc and Marty arrive back in 1955. And the rest of the film is basically a repeat of Back to the Future 1, but from several different angles. It's Los Cronocrimenes from halfway through. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I think there's only really like one or two new scenes, which are an extra fight... And yep. a porno mag in yeah. the uh, in we the get... disciplinarian's office. <laughs> yeah. The only other scene that I think is worth mentioning is there is that really cool scene between old Biff and young Biff where they're in the car talking to each other. And it's another convincer chat. Old Biff is trying to convince young Biff that with this book, you can tell the future and you can make hella dollar. Maybe the most realistic convincer chat I could imagine in any of the films because yeah. both of those characters, the way they talk to each other... How absolutely flippant young Biff is as a character, I believed that is exactly how that would play out in uh, genuinely in real life. So these are the two missions that need to happen. So Marty has to trail Biff and get the almanac back. That's the most important bit. He needs to get it so that Biff cannot make any money from it in the future and change the timeline. 
Doc has to fix the DeLorean because there's something wrong with the time circuits. And he's a little bit concerned that, you know, he's going to have to fix it. So he hangs around and, and does that, basically. Hard to get, uh, what is it, plutonium? Hard to get plutonium in 1955. Yeah, I don't know if it even existed in 1955. Yeah. So it's a good parallel between this and the first film. Because in the first film, Doc has his mission, Marty has his mission, and everything comes together at the end. That's and like the chaos and order of the yeah. both of them. Doc in the first film, I'm going to fix the lightning. And in the second film, I'm going to fix the car electrical yeah. scientific stuff yeah. for marty first film fix sort out your parents and then the second one sort out biff and both yeah. in both situations it's like well, the first way you thought you'd be able to do this didn't work and the second way yeah. you thought you could do this didn't work but don't worry as long as you get it done it kind of doesn't matter how you get it done yeah sorry just to clarify mm-hmm. plutonium did get revealed in 1948 oh, right. as having existed but was in no way related to um the kind of levels of plutonium he would have needed yeah to do what he was doing for this job. I guess that's why Doc does know about plutonium then when Marty says it in the first film. Yeah, the the only plutonium that they would have ever um, experienced was part of the Manhattan Project, which was um, to do with the plutonium cores that were used in the two nuclear bombs. Uh, But it would not have been (laughs) something that you would have widely known about, or mostly because of military secrets. Mm -hmm. So it's the evening of the dance again, and Biff has the almanac on him at all times. So Marty's finding it really difficult to get hold of it. It's a scenes like with the the dance and him going back into the dance and him being dressed differently but still being the same genetic Marty McFly who is also uh, uh, affecting these events in 1955, the Marty McFly from the first movie. And so Back to the Future to Marty McFly, our, our Marty in, in, in the second one, him going back and him, like, for example, being up in the rafters and stopping Billy Zane and co. And doing, you know, the sandbag thing and all that kind of stuff. That's the point where I was like, Back to the Future 2 is the reason we have the Infinite Man and Los Crono Crimenes. Yeah. Back to the Future 1 is the reason why we have a bunch of other time travel films. And mm. so it's almost like you could go up to... A, if I had all the directors from season one in yeah. a room, I would just say, okay, first question, what's your favourite Back to the Future film? And like... Whoever made, who made, uh, uh, I'll follow you down's director yeah. is saying one. Yeah. And um, Primer's director is saying one. But it's, no, it's saying two because of the almanac. It's saying one and two. One and two and, <laughs> and, and three. Yeah. And, and I, I wanted to make my own. Primer's a bad example. But like you can see the divide in that like if yeah. you like the, uh, two is the moment where if you like that, everything has happened and always will happen because you see the, the sandbag moment with Billy Zane and co and Marty from Back to the Future 2 helping Marty from Back to the Future 1 continue his mission when you didn't realise this was even going on in the first. That is, as we diagnosed in the first season, everything has happened and always will happen and, and it's, all, it's all happened. Uh, and yeah. there's also like some key points in these people's lives that seems to repeat and repeat and repeat. So the next things that we see while Marty's still trying to get the almanac is Doc eventually comes and rescues him, and there's a, there's a moment where there's a kind of a, almost a car chase, but then Biff hits a manure lorry again, which is now yeah. the second time that he's ended up covered in manure. And of course, we're going to see a third time of this happening in yeah. Back to the Future Three. It's yeah. like these characters are the, even though some of them are literally the same people. Genetically, the same fate awaits yeah. every single one of their descendants every single time. And it's during that tunnel sequence, Marty finally gets hold of the almanac. He gets it off of Biff's kind of dashboard, and then he gets rescued by Doc, and the pair of them kind of like get away. And 
They end up just outside of Hill Valley by that same billboard again, weirdly enough. And Doc is struggling to land the DeLorean because the weather is so bad. And he says to Marty, he lowers Marty down to the ground. Marty's hanging off a kind of bunting that gets caught off of the billboard. He lowers Marty down and he says, burn burn the almanac right now. (laughs) Stop messing around. Burn it. Now, Marty, of course, knows a couple of things that he can keep for the future. He knows about the Cubs winning the World Series, is it? At he some does. point. So he can keep that in his brain. Yeah. But if I was him, I would absolutely go down and burn it. And I would just open it to the nearest page I can <laughs> think of and read. go, right, let me just think of the most unlikely ones here. Sure. I'm going to be doing a lot of betting on, I'm going to name a random team here, the Boston Celtics. I'm going to bet on them for the next season. That's good. Yeah, right. They are a team. Nice. They are a team. Nice. I was inspired by you going to Boston. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So Marty burns the almanac and Doc and him, that's it. That's the end of it. They've solved the problem. Everything should go back to normal. And just at that point, there's a lightning strike that nearly hits the DeLorean. And Marty says, Doc, you need to land. It's it's getting bad out here. And Doc says, no worries. I'm coming down now. And at that point, the DeLorean is struck by lightning and it vanishes off into the air. And we see the the digits on the dashboard. Yes. We, we see do. he's, we know he's yes. been ported to where he wants to go. He he said earlier in this yeah, film, like, did. oh, we're going to have to, I'm going to get back and we're going to burn, we're going to destroy the DeLorean. Yeah. Uh, again, something we've seen in a bunch of time travel films that after experiencing time travel, the very people who invented it are like, fuck yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. This is reckless. We can't have, it's, it's Daddy Gabe. Uh, 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 Doc, Daddy Gabe's, and he wants to destroy the machine. Yeah. And he's sad that he, he, he will have to because he says, oh, I always wanted to go to, to the Old the West. West. Yeah. Uh, I always wanted to do that. You should yeah. have done that instead of needlessly going to 2015, you I idiot. wish they'd made that film. Yeah, I wish they'd made a third <laughs> one where he goes to, he goes to uh, there's, there's the a Old couple, West. There's a couple of good things I like here. The first is that the, as the film is kind of wrapping up and they do then allude to the fact that the third film's coming with that weird series of just a trailer for the with film. just another, yeah, it's like that happens and it's like, D- don't want to leave you hanging. <laughs> but there's, a, there's an excellent moment, which I don't know if this is the first film it happens in or if it's happened elsewhere before, but it's still, it's the moment which is now a trope of somebody left this letter for you a hundred years ago yeah. and we've been waiting to see who it is who picks it up. And of course, it's Western Union because they genuinely did exist in yeah. the 1880s. Mm. Um, and it's they've got this, been waiting this whole time and they're desperate to see what it is. And almost as though to pay off this guy's uh, desperation to know, it reads immediately about time travel. So the bloke is there going, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> like his, his tiny mind is blown by this revelation. How am I going to explain this to the boys in the office? <laughs> Let alone the fact that he was actually here. That's the thing we've been betting on for decades. It's like, yeah. will this guy will actually, this guy be, actually here? be here? You yeah. come back to the office and they're like, so where's he here? And be like, he lads, was there. Lads, <laughs> forget whether he was there or not. Do you know what exists? <laughs> Do you know what's out there? I also like that the Old West didn't exist for a long period of time it was yeah. the old west was a very narrow window and like well, 18- it was just the west <laughs> it was right for a long long time it, like 1885 is the pretty much the pinnacle of when you would be getting things like cowboys and yeah. saloons and it only existed for that narrow window because there was this kind of sweeping across america and it was the trains that connected the places that stopped the old west existing as mm. the trains started to connect places things were less outlawish and were more well no we're now connected yeah so it is quite 
exciting that the part of the film that saves them at the end is the train system. <laughs> I mean, as a man, and, and as a man who himself ends up driving a train, he contributes to the downfall of the thing he loves the most. <laughs> How ironic! <laughs> he should have gone back to the birth of Christ, like he like he suggested to Marty in the first film. Now, boy, would that have been a film, by the way. Imagine Back to the Future Three, yeah. Christ. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting real Monty Python Life of Brian. Oh yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Imagine Gene Hackman <laughs> looking at the, looking at the birth of Christ and just saying, "Jesus, Marty, it's your kids." Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are some, there are some things worth noting about the third film. I know we won't go into too much detail because you don't love it. Okay, okay. okay. But, I do know that. No, let's let's confirm this now, right? I do love the third film. I love it so much. It is just as good as the other two. Not as good as the second one. It's better. better. But it's better than the second one. But, um, but yeah, it's, yeah. Go ahead, James. Tell me the good things that you like about Back to the Future Part 3. I, I just love it. They've, they've managed to do their own little contained story. You almost can kind of ignore one and two, really. But it's, it's a good little addendum. It's a, it is a kid's movie. It really Absolutely. is much more of a kids' movie than either one or definitely two was, yeah. and it's more of a fun romp. It's almost like they wanted to make three; they'd made one, but they just did not know yeah. how to make how to one get and to three, three from one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like we wrote one and. We sent him to 1955, the past. Okay, mm. we're going to write two now. What should we do? Well, we did the past last time. Let's do the future. Fantastic. We've done the future. But we've accidentally still managed to end up back in 1955 <laughs> because that's what the film needed. So how do we do something again? We can't do future. We can't just do past. What should we do? Past, past. Yeah, extra. Yeah. Extra, extra past. past. Yeah, past plus. Yeah. I, I, I really do love the third one. I think, I think you're right, James. It is a very self-contained movie all in its own right. And it's just really good. Like uh, Thomas F. Wilson is great in it. Like we said before, as Buford yeah, Tannen, big he's absolutely time. great. He gets more in in the third one, which I really like. Like he gets yeah. more lines, he oh, gets yeah. more time, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. looks great. Like as a character, yeah. like they make him just look dirty and unclean, and yeah. the way of, he acts. He's kind of on the ascendancy if you think about one, two, and three, mm. and Thomas F. F. Wilson's involvement in the story, yeah. and like his acting chops and all this kind of stuff. He's kind of like not the hero of the Back to the Future films, but like. As as the actor, he's the one that I would say is like, yeah, that guy grows every single movie and every single time gives you more of what you need and want. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few like decent payoffs that we see in that film. We get the the, the origin of the metal chest plate, which is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We get some more manure on for Biff. Mm-hmm. They, they do uh, threaten to do a couple of lynchings. Um, well, do is... you know when... Sorry, I don't know if you all have uh, found this, Scott, when you were doing it, but Michael J. Fox died for like three and a half minutes. You know when Buford hangs him up off of the clock tower? Yeah. Yeah, he, it was bad. They actually properly hung him. It That's was been in the news recently. The safety rope kind of broke and stuff, and it was really bad. It's been in the news recently as Brendan Fraser has been talking that he also passed out uh, when he was hung in The Mummy. I can by, believe it. That's oh, a by, rough scene. By Omid Jalili, yeah. He that actually, like, yeah, yeah. Not, Great Omid Jalili didn't make The Mummy. I mean, he his character hung. I just said The Mummy by Omid Jalili. <laughs> I mean, uh, no, he was, was by hung him. by Omid yeah. Jalili in uh, The Mummy. By, not to break away, but love that character Omid's character in that film is so good the character he was made for yeah Um, and then we get a few interesting things with like the train and the naming of the canyon changing and then of course there's the final scene with Jules and Vern his kids which is a bit maybe a a little on the nose what a hell, a hellish set. Like, Jules. All right, sure. Imagine you've just named one of your children Vern. Yeah. He's lost that, like, coupling so badly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as 
Has Doc learnt nothing, though? Uh, it gets worse. He's now got a train that a can... Time travelling train! Time travelling time. We don't get an answer as how he manages to do that in what, six or so years all, based on the age of the kids? All I say with that is, is that, like, he has most of a broken train. I think it's yeah. because I think it's because he's so, married a scientist who is just as good as him. And into Jules yeah. Verne, who does the same. The, all it's, these stories yeah. are very Jules. So Verne. it's like when it's there's worth two saying, of you. Clara is she's great in this. Mary as well. Steenburgen, Mary Steenburgen, incredible. She's, yeah, she's she is great. incredible in the third one. Excellent addition to it. Yeah. And For, honestly, there's a yeah. bunch of side characters in three that I think are as good as some of the uh, like in the whole franchise. I think they're some of the best. Like the barman is really good. Yeah. In and like you know even his uh, his great great grandfather yeah irish marty mcfly yeah. is, is yeah. like is great because it's like you're not having to like worry about playing a different age or worry about like like as we said in in two when he's marty june when uh, uh michael j fox is playing marty jr it's not it doesn't really hit whereas yeah. when he plays his irish granddad it hits nicely yeah. it's, it's all right yeah yeah, yeah yeah there's a few characters as well in the bar there's one who has a voice that is well, so hard to do. He is. Those guys sitting around the table playing poker, they are super famous Western stars. I, I was going to say... Really? Oh, yes. The one with the really odd voice. The guy who's got like that really weird, squeaky it's, it's, voice. It's so <laughs> hard to... It's like his voice is cracking at all yeah. times. But he I'm, he must have done some voices for cartoons as well. Correct. Because I yeah. really recognised it. He, he plays like... There's a bunch of Disney characters that are like... That kind of like... Almost like wheezy whistly western sort of sounding voice but they are they're all super famous yeah prospects they're all super famous Uh, and it's interesting uh, a very very side tangent fact that the train speed that they need to get up to of course is 88 miles per hour Mm -hmm. and the conductor is like oh yeah it's not the conductor the driver is like oh yeah we've got her up to 50 before around that time of slightly earlier than them was when kind of records were being posted by train tra- train speeds mm. um, and in the uk they'd managed to get up to 80 miles per hour mm. on a train i think going downhill and quite heavily laden yeah but um they, they had managed to get to those speeds and it wasn't long after this that the americans started to do genuine like speed records in trains oh, right. it was in the early 1900s that they managed to break 100 miles per hour so it, it thematically works surprisingly well yeah i can see why people deride the third one because there's stuff in it that is ins- incredibly hokey when you've done car-based moments in a uh, car-based chase actiony moments in one and two like the tunnel the tunnel scene which i mean the tunnel scene in in two is something that feels a bit dated because you you watch it and the movie wants you to think that they're doing 90 miles an hour and he could die at any moment yeah. and it looks like they're doing about 10 miles an yeah, hour yeah, it's yeah. Just, just hop off your skateboard and you'll be fine yeah. it, it'll be <laughs> yeah, okay you can walk back it's um, fine but even even that said, I can see why the hokiness of like the third one of them trying to them trying to do like trying to get the same reaction from you or trying to give you the same thing, but now it's a horse drawn carriage. Yeah, yeah, it is hokey, and having ZZ Top and uh, like the song yeah, moment, that's like, really it's all, cool. It is like it's both. Yeah. yeah, it's both like very cool, but yeah, it's also but like very... you didn't do this in one and two, no, so why yeah. are you doing why do this you need now? To do it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you just? want to make it more kind yeah. of hokey or did you not have that many ideas who knows yeah. um but i do think as we said adding mary steenberger to the cast is a is a wonderful idea yeah giving that kind of the the 
the length of callbacks now with the fact that uh, uh, Biff is watching Clint Eastwood in the second one and we've called him Clint Eastwood in the third yeah. one for the fact that in the third one they mistake him from Clint Eastwood and in the first one they mistake him for Calvin Klein but in the second one you don't get that which is why the second one again feels a little bit half-baked and the whole thing that Doc saves himself with that bulletproof vest is like genuinely I assume they've taken that from having watched a film with Clint Eastwood in do yeah. that exact moment yeah that, I mean, that is exactly what happens in that bit of the film yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it is really it is a nice way to kind of wrap up the three films i do think it could genuinely have been two films um but i'm happy that we've got three i enjoyed watching all three of them again i don't in in a weird way i think when you take all three together i don't think there's a world in which you have one this whole fully finished product you then get two two can't exist without one and two can't exist without three which is bizarre Uh, yeah that uh, is weird that the 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 sequel to it has to exist for that one. So, yeah, it's mad. And yeah. I know that you filmed them back to back. Very impressive. Good for you. You didn't yeah. have to, though, but you did, sure. But two then is like on... It's on two crutches. It's not just on, on the one yeah. of needing to, you know. Three then is a very nice... After the fact that two is, is you know, deeply embroiled in one and requires a working knowledge of one. Three is like an, a nice palate cleanser after having gone through all of that, you know, as I said, one. Uh, you watch two. Two uh, uh, is so boiled in one and so kind of tangled up in one and then the second half of two is is again just kind of play three is this nice total change of timeline total time not timeline time period total change of time period total change of like visual color you're seeing so many like just because Mm. of the nature of the wild west you're seeing like oranges and yellows and this warm kind of like cinematography compared to this uh back to the future which is because it's in the 50s, it's very kind of uh, um, pastel and very yeah. kind of muted. It feels like they have a budget for it as well. Very yeah, true. absolutely. Very true. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like it's, it's a different soundstage. It's a different um, studio. Yeah, that, yeah, for, yeah. Was it Hill Valley? That yeah. Hill Valley Town Square is used over and over yeah, again. It's, and it's, it's, not... just, it's just the universal backlot. It's just the standard sort of thing. But by this point, they're still saying it's Hill Valley because, you know, they're installing yeah, the yeah, clock yeah, and whatever. Yeah. But it's it's western territory it's like out west somewhere you know it feels right monument valley or somewhere like that you know it feels like it feels a bit like one of the first things i thought when you were talking about the third one james is is and and it as a as a as an addition onto this is it feels a bit like ace ventura one and two Ace Ventura 1 is, you know, he's in Miami. He's mm-hmm. doing the thing that you know Ace Ventura does based off of the cartoon. And, and it's just the Ace Ventura 2, just take him to Africa. It's kind of, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and you make this like this wildly different sequel that is its own wonderful thing in its own regard. And almost you, you don't need Ace Ventura 1 for Ace Ventura 2 to exist. Yeah, 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 I think my biggest problem with the trilogy as a whole is 1 and 3 are good fun. They are two, both fun. 2 is not a fun film. Um, I I agree. Two, from a, from two's, a point of two's number one job is not fun. You are yes. right. Two's yeah. number one job is not fun. It's trying to do fun. It's yeah. trying to give you a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But two's number one job, and and quite frankly, one of the things I wrote down is is that ti- number two is the best time travel movie, which I I think I, you might be right. I unfortunately, I, have to stand by. I think it certainly has the most to gain from there being time travel. Well, unlike three, which I, could do away with it. I partially agree with you because I think. I think two, now we've spoken about it and I've broken it down, I think two starts to fall apart if you start to apply time travel rules to it, like we do, like we try and, that's the whole point of this, is we're trying to find ways that time travel can be spectacular in film. 
And we don't want to be unfair to Back to no. the by, by saying, oh, Back to the Future will allow you, but we've been incredibly harsh on these other yeah, 12 films. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I feel like it, it, it's, you are right. It's got the, it's the most, out of the three of the trilogy, it is the most time travel based in film. I think maybe maybe the best is not necessarily the word, but yeah. because the time travel in one is very good. But maybe it, uh, Back to the Future Two is the movie that is trying the most time travelly stuff yeah. because it's done. It does the future, it does the past, and it does over and it does like layering on top of one another experiences. And yeah. because it's trying the most stuff, it's failing the most. Like Absolutely, because it, yeah. just because it's trying so much more. And I think yeah, there is a world where two could have been better. There's a world where you could have had all three films kind of work in together. But there are worse trilogies out there. Absolutely. With, worse, with far worse middles. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. To, say two is the, to say two is the least enjoyable of them is to say that two is still an eight out of ten compared to <laughs> yeah. a shit ton of other films. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and we're, again, we're, we're not saying that two is the... I, I know that there's a lot of people who will just be like, you're nuts, three is the worst one. And it's like, I completely understand and I will... I that's for you no problem but for time travel film club given that and when consumed as a full three I think that two is almost it approaches out of contention zone where you Mm. take the elements of of two pop them onto one and you say one one with a little bit of two on the side that's the greatest time travel meal there's ever been yeah and three with a little bit of two on the side is fun as hell Mm. two by itself is not much of a muchness. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I, I think you, yeah, you could essentially almost have had the story of two a bit more baked into the story of one. Perhaps Doc has already discovered time travel and he makes a mistake back in the 50s that then needs to be corrected that he has found from the future. And you've got a perfect film. Yeah. So yeah, There's so agree. much I love about two. I love... I love uh, uh, Pleasure Paradise Biff and his uh, casino henchmen. I like uh, old Biff meeting young Biff. Uh, uh, all of that, like, and it's all Biff stuff, as I'm saying yeah, yeah. now. I like it's Sigma Terry I like again. So much. That's where we are. <laughs> what, 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 what we've learned? You, you is like that... you like troubling men. <laughs> <laughs> Problematic well, heroes. People want to see themselves in film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. I feel like it's. I feel like it has. It works completely perfectly as a trilogy and it can't work as in it two can't work as its own film three couldn't work as its own film no one one absolutely one can. can work as its own film but is not made worse by two and three together no it's at the at the least it is as good with two and three as its sequels yeah but potentially so much better with two and three as its sequels mm. and it's so rare to have sequels whereby you have no choice as a viewer of whether you want they've given you no choice about whether or not you can pick up the other films you're watching two the end of two is three the end of two we're going to show you three yeah you're not gonna and you're basically telling the audience hey um we know you probably kind of enjoyed this one but please please come back next year you you have to come back next year otherwise whereas there's no there's no trilogy or set of films that are like that whereby yes they do want you to come and stick with the trilogy but they don't they haven't already filmed it. Yeah, you know, uh, I know. I, I think maybe one of the Lord of the Rings films was like that, or I think two and three were filmed at the same time, or something along those I, lines. I so think, I, yeah, they were filmed technically at the like same yeah. time. I know it's happened. It's not yeah. like a, a completely anomalous event, but um, you, three, two, and three 
are, are you have one by itself and then two and three come along and you basically are saying now you watch the trilogy mm. there's no separating these things uh, they don't function by themselves yeah. at all uh, you have to have seen one you have to have seen two you see three and while you're watching three think about one think about two and that's great credit to you the only other thing I can think of like that really is is like the Star Wars films the first the original three Star Wars films where if you just saw the first one A New Hope you've watched a good film and I hope you've enjoyed it yeah but then if you want to watch more you have to watch two and three you can't skip to three you can't just watch two not at all it becomes it went from a film to a trilogy as opposed to like a more traditional trilogy like indiana jones mm. we are aware you know you know considering we've mentioned star wars and, and spielberg and lucas and all this kind of stuff indiana jones three movies three adventures yeah. and yep you could have watched one and two but you don't need to you can watch one and three that's fine it's all kind of loose and yeah. whereas yeah as you mentioned with star wars these are that it's maybe an older tradition or maybe just a different kind of way of doing things of saying like yeah this is not as opposed to three movies in a set. This is a three part story. I would be more willing to believe that were there not a massive gap between one and two. And yeah. then you did two and three together. So it's like, no, no, you had a one part story and then you've made a three part story as opposed to a one part, a yeah. two part, a three part. But again, it feels like, you know, uh, uh, it's easy to, you know, you're looking at one crack in a Taj Mahal <laughs> sized piece of beauty, you know? You, you, you watch the Planet of the Apes, the more recent Planet of the Apes films. You can watch any one of those films. It, you don't need to know anything about any of the others. You can just tune into any of those films and it's a plot on its own. I still haven't seen the, the James Franco one. I've only seen the Gary Oldman oh. one and the, and the yeah. Woody Harrelson one. I also feel that if the situation hadn't have developed with Michael J. Fox as it did in his life, we absolutely would have seen a fourth one of these now. Yeah, I think what... 100%. That's an interesting if, point. When you said Indiana Jones to me, now that they've done... I mean, we're about to get a sixth Indiana Jones film. Yes. Uh, fifth? Uh, fifth? Fifth. Fifth. Fifth yes. Indiana yeah, Jones yeah, yeah. film. And Harrison Ford can still do it. And I'm 100% certain Christopher Lord and Michael J. Fox would have done. With the aid of um, the de-aging technology they've got now, which Absolutely. is what... Oh, it would have been, it yeah, would have been such a good film from that. But yeah. I think that, uh, to almost to quote them directly, didn't they say they wouldn't do another one of these without um, yes. Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly? Yeah, which is exactly what I'm getting at, because these films don't work without those two actors yeah. at all. So time travel-wise, is there anything else that we kind of haven't discussed that you think you would like to kind of mention about the time travel that you maybe liked, that we didn't like? Yeah, I think one of the things I liked, I mean, we talked about the machine we didn't really mention that the way it works is the flux capacitor, as uh, it's known, which is, as a name is interesting, we, we love talking about capacitors for some reason we on do. this podcast. We do. Um, and the idea of it being a flux capacitor makes it sound like an object which can store large levels of flux, yeah. which I assume means time displacement of some level. Um I mean, if you want to get really geeky about it, like, you know, like the DeLorean has those kind of bands that run all the way around it. Well, they're the flux bands. The kind of principle is that it creates its own temporal field and that's how it can travel through time. So it's kind of... Where the fuck are you getting? Where, mate, that's not in I'm the films. so <laughs> fucking deep on this. I've got the Haynes manual for the DeLorean <laughs> from Back to the Future. It's, it, you know, and that's hot, that's the one of the reasons Doc chooses the DeLorean is because it's made of stainless steel. So there is this good conductor thing going on. So I think the science behind where they think they're going with the DeLorean is, is, is very sort of on point now, in a lot of it. All I would say to that is... 
how much of that is added after the fact because we know it was supposed to be a fridge originally so (laughs) a fridge that runs on (laughs) coca-cola yeah so like i think i think a lot of it is from robert zemeckis and bob gale so it's the original kind of like they they, a lot my mum's a liar and my dad's (laughs) my dad's dad's (laughs) (laughs) no i think i think a lot of it is is added after but i think I think the grounding in the science behind the DeLorean is well thought out. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things, the hindsight of having, they, now that they know that it's a DeLorean and they've kind of done the film, it's very easy to go back and do that. But the initial idea of things like the reason the time travel happens is this flux capacitor. Like a, a MacGuffin is what they would kind of be <laughs> Basically, called now, I think. yeah. And then you just put that into whatever you need to. Putting it into a DeLorean was... <laughs> inspired really yeah. i know it was as we've discussed essentially an accident it was brilliant as yeah, idea. totally i mean there's a bunch of almost anti-delorean jokes running through this all the way through and it's and it's because it was a pretty shit car but it that car is famous for this movie it made such a yeah. huge difference and thousands of people all across the world have got them now and have built their own versions of them there's this whole community of people who are like obsessed with i need to get the exact capacitor from like 1984 to be able to do this properly and and everyone knows that gullwing doors are a bad idea but because of this film people (laughs) still make cars with gullwing doors it's very true and they never stop looking cool I never, I no. never don't see someone open. No. I'm like, cool. Do I want to sit in one? No, God, I'd have to, I'd have to stand back up to to grab the door handle. Have no I way. watched? Have I watched loads of films of people driving into their garage and they're taking the the door off because they've yeah, left yeah, it slightly ajar? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it just, I can, I can talk about it all day, but I think it's, it's probably, from my opinion, the greatest time machine ever ever seen on film it's it's without a doubt definitely up there for sure i like uh uh, this 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 monolithic kind of thing of of and and i think it speaks to it that it's never been done again no one has ever you know even bothered approaching the point of saying like let's put it up because immediately people say no no come on back to the future future. i've done that and they've done it really well and you're not going to make anything better than that and i think there's so much to be said for back to the future one You'll never do it better because there's no. no there's no means of doing that simple, simple, simple story. And we've watched so many films over the course of season one and just uh, just elsewhere. So many films that are dealing with that notion of go back into the past or maybe you've changed something. You're going to create uh, issues for yourself and then remedy them. And it's not just that you did it really well. It's that you did it in a really affable likable bubbly fun family friendly package without getting too too sciencey or too boiled down you've managed to reach both success and cult status very few things get both you usually get one or the other but if you asked anyone across all of the sort of age generations that are currently alive to draw a time machine this is being drawn 30 percent of the time and maybe 50 percent of the time so embedded in pop culture now this film it's it's everywhere still now it's still being referenced now in tv shows and other films it's it's like the og really i i would describe it as in terms of like what's used to describe time travel on film in my in my head back to the future has always been 
the gr- not the greatest like I've all, like I always think it's the greatest, but mm. I always think this is the world's favorite time travel film. Yeah, agreed. the planet Earth has voted uh, uh, <laughs> unanimously. Is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is the best time travel film. Number yeah. two is Groundhog Day, but we all know that no one, there's no chance that if you surveyed a thousand people, you are getting half the people who like Groundhog Day in the way that uh, 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 everyone loves Back to the Future. Uh, and a lot of people wouldn't even name Groundhog Day as a time travel film. No. Um, it's a good point, yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, uh, the only, there's not really another like <laughs> trilogy of time travel films, except maybe Austin Powers. Yeah, God, the, there's it not, always like, always weirds me out yeah. when Austin Powers comes up on time travel lists. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it is sure, but yeah, I know one, know. no one but, thinks it is. Yeah, yeah. But is there another like trilogy of time travel films in that? I mean, a lot of people will say Terminator. We are going to no. talk a little bit after this about yeah. why that is. They are hot, not time hot travel tub, films. Hot tub time machine came close. It had its two. There's lots of twos I flying think, around. I think but... part of the reason there isn't is because of Back to the Future because. It's been done. Well, I think they cheated by filming one and two back to back a little bit. In that, like, you could if if you did one and then did two and then a, a couple of years later yeah. found the impetus and the and the story idea to do mm. three. Whereas doing two and three back to back and putting a trailer for three on the back end of two, <laughs> it still is wild. mildly guaranteeing you're going to get some viewership in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is a is a cheeky way of guaranteeing yourself a third film that is, in many ways, very anomalous from the first two. I do think we've discussed this a lot now with the fact that the three films are necessary. I think this is a, a three course meal. There is a, there is a starter, which everyone loves because it's sort of unique and novel and interesting. Then there is a main, which you just have to slog through to get to the d- delicious dessert, which is the <laughs> best part of the meal. <laughs> I do see very much what you mean about the three-course meal thing, and I think that when are we ever going to get the chance, given that we've got three movies and most meals come in three, that this fits that <laughs> really nicely. And I think it, it particularly works in terms of the dessert, for sure, with the uh, 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 with with Back to the Future 3 being the, just this not nourishing but very good-tasting v- thing. V- you know? Very sweet, <laughs> very, yeah. very sweet and delicious, but not necessarily good or healthy. <laughs> I would argue, uh, to me, Back to the Future... And this is this is maybe just a me thing, but to me, Back to the Future has always been like a a peak of like American cinema, and I think that I almost think that, especially with like the 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 not just the Reagan thing, it's one line, it doesn't matter, but that it's indicative of the fact that with you with 1985 America is in 1985 America are still like we're the greatest planet on uh, yeah. we're the greatest country in the in the world and and. Uh, the American dream and it's all about like all of the big movies are coming from America everyone wants to move to New York and the and then they go back to 55 which a lot of Americans still think is like the greatest America oh, it's, oh, you know. the American dream yeah. exactly yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah so there's something very American about number one I almost think that number one like we've all I have had some truly bad hot dogs in my time we've all made the tr- we've all made sure. the bad decision of seeing a hot dog on a menu and thinking yeah. I will have the hot dog mm. but you're chasing the dream of the fact that we have all at some time in our life had an incredible a hot dog, dog. Uh, yeah. I had a yeah. chili dog an American actual proper American chili dog yeah, yeah, and yeah. I will never ever live that again yeah. uh, exactly that to me is number one number one is yeah. the, the best hot dog you've ever had okay yeah Four years later, someone comes up to you and says, would you like me to make you that hot dog again? I'm going to give you the same, a lot of the same kind of ingredients, but maybe maybe it'll be better. And it's not. And it's still a pretty good hot, it's dog, a good hot dog, but, but it's, it's just not, not better. And they can see some of the distaste in your face. So then they just give you a massive ice cream sundae. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I fucked you a little bit on that, yeah. on that hot dog return sure. thing. I know that the energy wasn't quite there. Yeah. 
here's some ice cream. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how many times I've made a dinner for my wife that I know is something that she doesn't like. And so in reserve, I have an excellent pudding waiting for her. <laughs> no, that's really good, Scott. That makes loads of sense. And I think that it's highly, highly enjoyable. And the first time we've done anything like this to be talking franchise and to be talking set of movies and to be talking this kind of spanning thing, to be talking something, you know, 1984, 1989, 1990. I mean, this number two comes out the year I was born. Number uh, three comes out the year my sister was born. Like these things are so ingrained in our childhoods. And so and it's this big cons back to the future is a property and an IP, not just these films. And yet it is just these three films. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think both for the in-universe world, I think that the actions of the characters will essentially doom that world to destruction. I cannot see a world in which they survive. I think Doc's uh, playing with uh, playing with kind of the tools of God there and is, is <laughs> yeah. going to make an error. His train goes to space at the end. I'm pretty sure yep. that's the yep. next level. Yep. Yeah, you yep. break space then. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Space time. Whereas I think in the real world, what actually happened was they hit a peak that it's going to be really hard for any franchise to hit again. Mm. And it kind of, it may genuinely have curtailed some of the time travel kind of genius out there because who's going to be able to reach this level again? And you see it all the time. When we've been doing research for other podcasts... Every time Back to the Future is mentioned at some point when somebody makes a new time travel film. It, it is, in the, sh- in the purest sense of the term, it is a genre definer. Yeah. It, is, it, it, it is very, very rare for you to be able to bring something out and nullify everything that came before it because there were time travel films made before this, but no one gives a shit. Mm. It doesn't matter what you made before this because this is the time travel film and from this point onwards, everyone is aware of that really good time travel film, Back to the Future, and even to a film that is still made hundreds of millions and was hugely loved. And three, yes, even in 1990, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, what's this? But it doesn't matter because the whole kind of big structure that you've made is is and 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 the fact that you've done one, you could do anything. You could have made Back to the Future two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You could have just kept, and it could have got worse every single time. And it doesn't matter because you've done something so good with number one. It's the yeah. birth of Christ. <laughs> I think as well, they they took the mick out of Jaws nineteen. So I don't think I don't think they were ever going to ruin this. I don't. I think they knew that it would be a mistake to do so. No. Um, and I mean, I think there are, there's obviously better films out there. There's better trilogies yeah. out there. There's better time travel out there. I think there are standalone films, time travel films that I like more than any of these films. But in terms of total enjoyment for the a kind of a global population, you won't find that there will not be another film or franchise out there that kind of has this level of belovedness, I suppose, um, that is a time travel film. So I, I don't think we'll ever hit that. Well... A lot of my work here is done. I think uh... <laughs> we successfully spoke about three, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, your Shit. works. Well, actually, Adam, you're not done. We agreed last episode that this would be listeners' questions. Uh, that we did. Well, Hell yeah. I'd just like to thank everybody who did get in touch with us on one of our many social media uh, sort of tracks. Um, Scott, have you got a question? We do. We do. We have uh, uh, Lisa via Twitter. Uh, thank you so much for, for tweeting into Hello, us, Lisa. Lisa. Uh, Lisa asked us, uh, do we have any plans to talk about the TV show Dark? 
uh, which I I already know. I answered Lisa back on Twitter that I know I haven't seen Dark, but yeah. I know you guys have seen Dark. You gushed about Dark to me, and yeah. I'm I'm well aware of how how impressive a thing Dark is and how good Dark is and, and the reputation that it has. Um, I I would up top. I would say, of course. We are time travel film club, and so we do kind of we are trying to focus on films, and until the river runs dry, we will stay on films. But who knows? There is always who knows what will happen in the future, not just for television, but for 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 books, for theatrical plays, for you know just seeing random people in the street and commenting on that. There's there's so many different uh, types of media and types of content that we 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 never say never because time travelers taught us that the least we yeah. should do is never say never. Um, and 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 I'm sure that were we. To to do television series aside from quantum leap dark would be oh, <laughs> and quantum so, leap is yeah. barely oh. time travel we all just love quantum leap <laughs> oh, i love it <laughs> and i mean we have discussed in in some of the other podcasts so we talked about time traveler's wife tv series as a kind of yeah. as a kind of moniker of what we were talking about um, 12 monkeys tv 12 monkeys, series uh, yeah one of the first who, things... the look through time stuff you know there was a bunch of stuff in there we could have like gone into one of the first things we ever discussed in time travel before this was even a podcast mm. was um episodes of was it wasn't Twilight, oh, Zone, Twilight was it? Zone? It was, yeah. Episode, yeah, yeah. Two, episode two yeah. of uh, the Twilight Zone, the Jordan Peele remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, they each, I think, have their own merits, but I think because we we are mainly focusing on films, that's where our kind of aim is, right? Yeah, I'd love to do uh, TTMC, Time Travel Media Club. TTMC, yeah, um, oh, Media Club, nice. I like and, that, I, yeah. and I'd like to do the Book Club even. Um, uh, a, I do not have enough time to do three time travel clubs. Uh, I no. wish I did, but I would require time travel. Uh, but I would love to still do those in the future. I could see a time where we do a special episode of perhaps something that's been a book and a TV show or mm. something that's been a film and a TV show. We uh, talked about Steins Gate. If you exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's such a big thing to talk about. And yet I think we would all love talking about it. Um, we just have to ironically see what the future brings. Mm. I've also got another question here. Oh, cool. I've got a question from Reddit, which is from Rico Suave, who sounds... What a name. Rico Suave. I love that. Yeah. Sounds like Man. a very cheeky chap. Um, he asked, simply put... What four films best represent the broad genre of time travel film? He called it a Mount Rushmore of time travel films, which Mount Rushmore is a concept we've definitely discussed before. Love a cheeky Rushmore, yeah. And his thoughts were that number one, Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Number two, Primer. Number three, Twelve Monkeys. And number four, About Time. And his reasons were that Back to the Future is an all-rounder. Primer is the truest representation of time travel. Twelve Monkeys is an action film. And About Time is rom-com. That's that's wild, and we could discuss this for hours. <laughs> I, yeah, I could I could dive into this constantly because it's so interesting. Like, how do you approach doing a Rushmore? Do you pick the four best, or do you pick four very four wide? He said, uh, uh, Rico did say like wide, widely representative, yeah. which I like. But there's there's widely representative in terms of the time travel. There's, but there's the uniqueness of the time travel. That's a whole nother one in its own right. I and mean... then as 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 uh, uh, Mr. Suave has done, there's uh, there's the the genre in which the time travel falls so you yeah. know the fact that there's action and, and comedy and there's there's time travel therein i think he's absolutely i think it's unequivocal that the top two are nailed on interestingly i replied to him on reddit and i chose the top two as being correct yeah, yeah. so i agreed yeah. with both yeah, of those without a doubt yeah. you are talking like yeah uh, back to the future is george washington yeah um and and primer is abraham lincoln well, it's founding fathers now is that, is that not discussing? what I, I haven't looked at Mount rushmore in a long time but uh, i assume you, i know george washington yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and lincoln's yeah. there isn't lincoln, he yeah, and yeah. i think jackson jackson and some other guy 
Bob Geldof. Uh, I, now, <laughs> I, I, know, I know that a lot of people are trying to get other faces carved up there that don't deserve to go there. Yeah. Back to the Future, for sure, 100%. Primer, for sure, 100%. 12 Monkeys, I've said before on the podcast, I still haven't seen 12 Monkeys because at every point when I'm like, oh man, I do really want to watch it, I tell myself I'll wait until we possibly cover it in the future. Um, I think I think you've got, if you're going to discuss it, you've got to have a time loop movie in there. Which is also, again, what I said. I thought Groundhog Day, I mean... It, yeah, it's, but then again, we're discussing it changes it a little bit there, doesn't it? I mean, this is another thing we were just saying. It, it then becomes the type of time travel movie rather than, you know, if we're putting a time loop movie in, it kind of feels a bit like that's what we're focusing on. So it's a difficult one, that is. I'm, I'm so tempted to go along the lines of how what we settled on within our season review of we bracketed up all of our films and we said, you know, you've got Primer and Predestination. I don't know if Predestination should go on the Mount Rushmore of time travel films. It might go on mine, but Primer <laughs> and Predestination, we sandwiched off. We had Time Loop as its own category. So yeah. I would say you find the biggest and best Time Loop movie, which we know it's Groundhog Day. Yeah. Although Palm Springs is really approaching contention, as we yeah. discussed. ARQ as well. ARQ is also not a bad film. So I think you definitely, you pop a Time Loop into the four in the same way that you pop like a, a tourism one into the floor into the four a lot of me says butterfly effect should go up there because of how that term is just now a thing, a thing yeah, yeah i also thought you'd like in terms of the final film you sort of almost want a horror genre like the genre mm. missing really there is something a little bit more um spooky something a little bit mm. you know cuts a little bit deeper which Butterfly Effect is on the verge of doing. It's, yeah. it's not a pleasant film to watch. I think it's clearly 41. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's... I mean, as we said, we could talk about this forever and we would love it if uh, 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 our listeners sent us through their Mount Rushmore's. And the great thing about doing a Rushmore, there's no wrong answers. It's what no. you think should be on those four, th- those four plinths kind of thing. Um, but yeah, for, for Rico's list, he's nailed it with those top two. And then the great thing is, is that I would, I would love to, to sit down and hash it out over those back two. We spoke about about time very recently, you know, yeah. it's, it's positives and it's negatives. Um, and we know that romance is, is a genre that in rom-cominess is a genre not not touched upon all that much, which pays more credence to Palm Springs being there because you get time loop and rom-com. So Palm Springs is a really good shout. Uh, uh, God, what an interesting question. Love that. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, so I've got I've got a question on the email from CrossFit Andy. Um, who says thank um, you Andy yeah yeah he that's an MLM loved season one particularly liked ARQ and Palm Springs episodes which are both time loop movies obviously that they are um, and he wants to know really how we decide what to cover on the podcast considering those two examples he's given are a couple of time loop movies and there are some people who think time loops are not time travel because yeah. it's, you know you're not so much going as much as you're staying and just repeating so I, I get that um, it is it's a really interesting question and it's something that we there's no exact science and there's no we don't have we've spoken about the the having a literal definition and that there will always be a movie that we decide we want to cover that breaks yeah. the very oh. definition you know yeah i think we we even at one point came up with rules of like if they go back in time then automatically it counts if they go forwards in time then it has to be like outside of their lifespan or something yeah there was the some and then, yeah and then it was it only counts if and I think we've sort of stuck with this one. It only counts if the main character is the one who does the time traveling. Mm. So if somebody else time travels, for example, the Terminator films, the Terminator is the one that comes back. Because that's not the main character, we don't class that as a time travel film. Then you've got to argue of who else is the main character in Terminator 1. Is it Sarah Connor? or? Yeah. Uh... And, and also, 
from my point of view, sometimes you just find really good time travel movies by accident. Like we, like forty one, you know, we like forty one. Like I had no idea it was going to be the seminal classic that everybody obviously <laughs> agrees that it is. Um, no, but it's like you know, we we go out intentionally looking for them, and sometimes a, a lot of the time it doesn't work out. It's true. We 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 kind of spoken a little bit in the past, but it's nice to expand on the point of we we've said there are films that are time travel films, and there are films with time travel in them. And there's tons of films with time travel in them that aren't, they don't care about their own time travel that much. My go-to has always been Hot Tub Time Machine, a movie that is very good in many different ways, but the characters time travel and at no point does someone turn around and go, how does that, how does that hot tub work? What's going on here? Yeah. Or, you know, I, I came so close to having, to my raw definition just being, if there's a diagram. If there's a diagram, <laughs> that means someone is try- is talking about time travel and trying to explain time travel. Would have excluded... Um, Would have excluded Back to the Future. Back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. an yeah, insane yeah. thing to say. Uh, it, it unfortunately boils... Not unfortunately, but it, in, in a murky kind of way, it boils down to we just... We know it when we see it. And we have all... The, each of us, we have started films and gotten 20 minutes in and thought, yeah, this could be a time travel film. Yeah, this sound, everything's good. And then it completely falls apart. Or, or the opposite, a film that begins and you're, you're, you're sat there thinking like, ah, oh, we, I don't know about this or, you know, and then very quick, you know, very quickly at the halfway point, it ramps up and it all of a sudden becomes incredibly timey-wimey. Mm. So it is a really hard thing to do. And we, there have been many, many pitfalls and many kind of like working out, oh, does this count and does this not count? I would go as far as to say that in season one, I am confident, as I think we would all be quite confident, I could argue that every single film is a is a time travel film, apart from maybe The Jacket. Yeah, and I think there's there's like a, a, a hard rule you could try and put in that we would always then end up breaking. So I think just the kind of the softest rule we have is the time travel has to be essential for the plot if it's not essential then it's not a time travel film that's a really good point yeah and the film has to have time travel to happen so there are a few films where you could say well actually you could take the time travel out of this and it would just still be a a different film yeah it would be a film but the, the the long and short of it is if the film is good and the time travel is worth it then we'll put it on the list yeah and i think we all I know we all have movies in our back pockets that we know in our heart are not time travel movies and they unfortunately can't be covered on Time Travel Film Club for our purposes. And yet, do you know how much I want to talk about Kate and Leopold, the Hugh Jackman, <laughs> Meg Ryan film? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, yeah, he time travels, he comes from the past to the future and, and then they just fall in love in New York. That's it. They could, <laughs> he could just be from New Jersey and the film would pretty much shake out yeah. in the same way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, that's something that we all have to get. We're, we're trying to do something here where we're not just, you know, if it was just films of time travel in them that we want to talk about, fantastic. But we, we, uh, we want to really get into the nitty gritty of time travel and how it it's presented over decades, over countries, over different sensibilities in different ways, shapes and forms. And so, and you know, there is there has to be kind of like a hard line at the bottom, but it's not, as we said, a hard line. It's a very wavy, foggy line that we mm. kind of uh, have to traverse on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you. What a great question. Uh, uh, CrossFit from Andy. Andy from CrossFit. Andy from CrossFit. Uh, we've got one more question here that came up a few times from different people. I'll mention that Emma Fennell sent it over an email, which was essentially... Will you ever do insert time travel film name here? And the the answer is, if you're suggesting the film, it might be too famous for us. Um, we do we do try to kind of stick with ones you've not heard of if we can. Obviously, 
There are exceptions like the last two specials. So I'd say never say never. We may end up doing it as a special one day. Um, we also, if it's particularly good and we just happen not to have heard of it, if you've got another girl who leapt through time that you could send us, please do. And Jesus, we will absolutely yes. yeah. look into yeah. it. 100%. And I think so far we've looked into every single film that's been suggested. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, we got mm. sent uh, another listener. Uh, uh, I'm uh, so sorry, I forget the name sent us a an article from uh the guardian i think of like or or you know some news out of like these are the top x uh, uh best time travel films and even on that list there were three or four that i'd never heard of before yeah. and so uh, we're always looking for like special nuggets i remember that came through from owen because it was one of those films that i it, i there were like four or five films on there that i went they're not time travel films yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. it's, am- it's amazing people's justification for it being a time travel film that's what i'm that's what i think we're all discovering like people tend to say oh it's a time travel film because maybe somebody time travels once in it but from our kind of like rules and groundings it's it's a film that's not about the time travel it's just happens in it so i mean like austin yeah. powers we just spoke about special on all three austin powers <laughs> films yeah. they are not really time no, travel I can't, films. No. because i'll do a 45 minute monologue on will ferrell <laughs> playing a turkish man and I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah, but uh, again, just like a really, a really fascinating kind of uh, thing to, uh, at least for us, you know, behind the scenes, we get into that kind of thing all the time. And it is a really, a really interesting. I just uh, the other day, there is one final question that came through on the email. I just I, I, I spotted it just uh, uh, as I was coming in today. It was a very simple question. It came. Uh, we, we got this question ages ago when uh, uh, when season one dropped and it was after a listener had listened to the a Sound of Thunder episode. And it was uh, uh, a nice sort of quick question about uh if would you be uh time safari customers if you were living in the sound of thunder universe oh, oh fuck yeah. god <laughs> fuck yes uh, i would be there every day season card and have like season what's card, the Cineworld yeah. world pass oh yeah, 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 yeah. Have an alton towers pass that's what it is yeah can i be not to sound like too much of a snowflake vegetarian like non-animal cruelty <laughs> Can I be like a, t- a time travel bird watcher? Can I just go back and <laughs> with a pair of binoculars? Can I go back and you know t- take James, some nice photos? You can do photos? what you want. You can do what you want. Because in that case, I would. I'd love to go back. Maybe not in the style of the time safari. I I feel like I don't want to go on that fixed path. But I would love to go back and just experience some of the nature that I'd have missed out on uh, in the Ice Age, for example. I'd love to see a Smilodon chasing down some sort of hairy buffalo. Big time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, yeah, because the, the safari element of it, they very much have honed in on the, you can kill a T-Rex or, an, or a, whatever not, it was. Yeah, yeah. You can kill, you can kill, you know, you can go back to the past and kill. And it's like, no, I just want to, want to go back to the just, past. No, the, shut yeah, up. This wanna, is how this works. You go back sp- in time and you oh, kill. I want to spread love. I want David Attenborough back in time. Yeah, that would uh, be... I mean, imagine walking with dinosaurs with real dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. What about Richard Attenborough? Then? <laughs> oh, God. No, we went wrong for the other Attenborough. That's a great question. It is. And like, I love that idea of like, you know, where would you where would you plant yourself? Because instantly there's so many movies I would go nowhere near. You <laughs> will not find me in Vermont in the jacket. You will I'm not, not getting in that milk top. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get lost. Was there another time travel out there that would work? I mean, I suppose you could do uh, Errol's version of time travel and go back and have your kind of dinner with Einstein. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that version of you just dump Bear grills in the middle <laughs> of like the Siberian wastes in 10,000 BC and yeah. go, right, 
if you could, no hotels yeah, here, no bitch. Hotels let's for see you. if you were lying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm. I mean, if it was if it was opt in, opt out, boy, would I go back to Palm Springs. First of all, who doesn't yeah. want to go to lovely Palm Springs, yeah, California? Regardless, there, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, second of all, I'm taking all of my books going into the time loop and not coming out till I finish uh, them. Are you Bill Nye? What's going on here? <laughs> you are. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Bill Nye. Yeah, exactly. And yet, I didn't go back to about time. I wanted to go to Palm Springs. <laughs> You'd be damned if I'm going to Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> Penzance, you can fuck off. Um, Literally going to Cornwall in two weeks. Are you? Oh, well, I hope you have a lovely time. 25 bedroom houses in Cornwall, apparently. Yeah. I think this is like a 25 bedroom house as well. And I mean, it goes without saying that we are so overjoyed every single time we receive any interaction with anyone who has listened to this show. Uh, we do this show <laughs> predominantly for ourselves. 100% we, for 100% ourselves. 100% for ourselves. Um, but it brings us... Uh, uh, continuous continuous happiness to see anyone else enjoying any of the episodes and even if you didn't enjoy them just interacting with them consuming them you know just just giving us your opinions on anything and everything to do with it and asking us wild and weird fun questions whether you know uh, uh, whether on email or twitter or facebook or anything like that so thank you so much to everyone that got in touch with us for for season one and for our rachel mcadams bonus episode we look forward to any input from anyone uh, about anything to do with the back to the future episode or any of the the, the future episodes that we bring out and we if we didn't answer any of the questions that came through to us on this pod know that we definitely replied to you and we've we've had so much fun interacting with with listeners back and forth it's just been a a real beautiful time for for all of us and to have put so much of our uh time and heart and soul into this thing and to see that it is is reaching out to people so again from 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 myself from james from adam from everyone um just uh, thank you so much and we look forward to to even more uh of your of your wonderful points in the future and i think that about wraps us up boys it concludes this very special bonus episode of the Time Travel Film Club. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening. And thank you so much, Adam, for, for doing the the heavy lifting of talking about not just one, not just two, but... but sort of three. But sort of three <laughs> movies, uh, uh, yeah. you know, and not just in the movie, but the franchise as a whole and the, the thing as a whole. And as we said, Back to the Future, you're not just talking about a time travel movie, you're talking about the OG granddaddy, uh, uh, biggest, best time travel, most famous, most Your favourite. Your favourite. Yeah. My, my ultimate favorite my favorite film not just my favorite time travel film this is my favorite film of all time and there's a lot of risk attached to that you know mm. i mean i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't bring my favorite film to this club for you all to snipe at because i just get salty halfway through i would like, like, my you... favorite toy i've had a lot of patience today for you too but i'm not gonna let you ridicule <laughs> jurassic park for me you can fuck <laughs> off well if you two don't mind i'm gonna go and grab myself a pepsi because this movie has fucked my <laughs> oh, oh yeah get, get, grab me one of those Pepsi Perfects yeah. Pepsi I'm gonna Perfect. fuel my car with Coca-Cola to leave yeah nice And that concludes this very special bonus episode of the Time Trial Film Club. Thank you so much for sticking with us through a very dense episode, one I've been waiting for my entire life. If you would like to share the TTFC with your friends and family, all our episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. And we will be absolutely over the moon if you could leave us a rating and a review on any of those platforms so that our little pet project can reach more ears. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's... Zuckerberg Time Travel Film Club Elon Musk Time Travel Club on the emails timetravelfilmclub at gmail.com and reddit at r slash timetravelfilmclub the next time you hear us listeners will be season 2 episode 1 of the Time Travel Film Club so nothing remains to say but love from the past see you in the future Time Travel Fuck Boys out out